Hey, this is Ryan Dungey, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Hey, this is Dean Wilson, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Hi, this is Colt Fasciati, you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Moto X-Pod show brought to you by Torque One Racing, show number 100. We are live with a massive lineup tonight. We have the one and only King of Supercross, Jeremy McGrath, the Queen, Miss Supercross, Diana Dahlgren, KTM's uh, Cooper Webb, and the bad boy himself, Rick Johnson, uh, all coming up tonight. I We had Steve Mathis. I had to pre-record that because Steve and Pookie decided to make a trip to Toronto and uh, go see some hockey. So we pre-recorded that last night. And you guys know sometimes when I pre-record stuff on my phone, it sounds like shit. Uh, it's not the best sound quality, but it was some really good content. So check that out. And then we're going to also talk to Todd Trujillo, who you guys, if you've been listening, know he's promoting the Fly Fun Day down at Cycle Ranch November 18th. He's going to come on and talk about that a little bit. Uh, let's do the sponsor reads right now. You guys know that the title sponsor is Torque One. Torque One Racing is providing high-quality, economical performance parts. Check out TorqueOneRacing.com for grips, pegs, handlebars, shifters, brake pedals, and more. Johnny at Torque One, will, uh, he has a passion for the racing industry. And follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then all of our longtime sponsors, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs, All Sport Dynamic, Wrist Braces, Mad Jack Synthetics, Dane Evans with Amsoil, Fly Racing, and Power Band Racing, uh, WP Certified Suspension Dealer uh, Service Center. They're, they've got some, we got some giveaways with them coming up. In studio with me tonight, it's been a long, long time, Mr. Phil Gates. What's up, Phil? Yeah, it has been a long time. I think we were talking before the show about how long it's been. It's been about a year and a half since... Since I've been on, I think episode 17, 18, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's been a while. Was uh, the last time I've been I've been on the road and doing the wool field thing. So had another kid since then. Yeah, had another baby. <laughs> She's a year old now, and so that tells you how long I've been gone. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Show 100. It's a it's a big one. It's a I'm mile gonna... marker, man. I yeah, I couldn't believe that we got. And I got a, a big a big shout out to Vanessa. Uh, O'Brien, you guys, I've talked about her. She's been on the show. She's the one that got McGrath set up for us, and that's massive. And it took a while, but it's finally done, and he'll be on shortly, and we're, we're very excited. Yeah. So you haven't uh, you haven't even been riding any. Your bike's been out here at TJ's house for that whole time probably, right? Yeah, my grandpa actually just got it okay. about two months ago. He picked it up for me and took it to the shop because TJ was like, you going to sell this thing or not? And I'm like, no, TJ, I don't want to sell it. He's like, right. give me $2,000 for it. I'm like, no, I'm not selling the damn bike. <laughs> and uh, I had JT message me also. He's like, you selling your bike? And so I was like, Pops, can you come get my bike before they try to part it off? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, are you, you able to go ride this weekend? Because no. I think, no? Okay, I think Mark and I are going to go ride somewhere this weekend. He's going to be in town and... My bike has... Oh, it's not ready. Yeah, it hasn't even been maintenanced in over a year. Oh, yeah, so. well, that makes sense. Okay. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm probably going to be riding my 06 because I'm waiting on my suspension to come back for my 15. I sent it off to our buddy Brett Hooper with works, wheels, and mods. He, he did some work for me, and he's Cerakoting the upper fork tubes and the, the rear nice. shock, and it's going to look badass. Cause it's going to look really, really fast when it's going really, really slow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, to me, I mean, it's, it, as uh, Michael Gage says, I'm all show and no go. <laughs> well, we've got some giveaways to do. Um, so I have a trivia question for, we're going to give away this, this month a set of Fly Kinetic gear. Uh, the 2019 line of Kinetic, they have the Kinetic Noise and the Kinetic Shield, four colorways, and each of those versions. Whoever is the first person to go on MotoXPodShow.com and click on the contacts link and send us the answer to this question gets the set of gear. So the question is, who was the first of all, what year was the last Supercross in Toronto and who won in the 250 class? Obviously, don't give me the answer, but do you know? What year did you say? Well, that's, that's part of the question. Uh, you gotta, you got to figure out the last year Toronto happened year. and who won the 250 class. Yeah, I do know the answer. Okay. Cool. Well, if you guys, like I said, we, we started MotoXPodShow.com. That's up and running. We've gotten a few uh, messages on there. So go to the contacts page, answer the question. You'll win a set of fly gear. Um, also, we are going to be doing the Fly Carbon F2 give, helmet giveaway that Kirk Hunter with Extreme Colors is going to paint. He has the helmet in hand. He will be working on that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we have not decided how we're going to give that away. Just keep in mind and keep listening. We'll tell you how. Um, we've got a, if you have WP suspension, we have a free service that we're going to give away from power band racing next week on the show. And then, um, our buddy who, uh, Brett Hooper, who's been on, he owns works wheels and mods. He, he texted me the other day and he's seracoding things. Like I just mentioned, he's doing my upper fork tubes and he's going to do a giveaway every month where he seracotes a listener. You can either do a clutch cover or a clutch case cover or a stator cover, he'll do that for free. You just ship him it, he'll Cerakote it for free. So we're going to be doing some pretty cool stuff in the next couple weeks. Man, I got to follow all our sponsors, as we say all the time. Uh, they support us, and they help the show keep going and allow us to do the things that we're doing. Go to patreon.com, support us on there if you can. That allows us to get to all the Supercross races and the Nationals and get content. And that's coming up. It's going to be here before we know it. A1 is right around the corner. Um, you were telling me you're going to go to Nashville. That's pretty cool. New, new uh, on the schedule this year. Yeah, well, it's not a for sure thing. Okay, we're hoping that we are. Um, it's only a nine hour drive, and and uh, that that drive is nothing compared to the drive that we made in West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, time, seventeen hours with two kids. That was uh, something else. Yeah, but, doing that with a couple kids would. Whew, it's hard enough doing it by when you're just an adult by yourself. Oh yeah, my when I went up there the first time, my uh, my wife came up there with the kids to come visit me. And she did it by herself. It took her 23 hours. Good Lord. And I was yeah, like, a lot know, of stopping. And- yeah, and I don't know how she did it, bless her heart. But <laughs> um, our favorite place to go is Nashville. And so I'm hoping we can go check that out and uh, go nice. see the race. Yeah. Are, so, do you think you'll make the local, the Dallas round, the Houston oh, yeah. For sure? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, it's going to be – I'm looking forward to it, man. It can't get here quick enough for me. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, so those are the things going on. I want to remind you guys again, I think I mentioned a minute ago, Fly Fun Day, Cycle Ranch, November 18th. Um, Todd's going to be on here in a little while later tonight to discuss some of the really cool vendors that are going to be out there. A lot of giveaways. Damon Bradshaw is going to be there. He has a new uh, vendor sponsor that I think he's going to announce tonight that just came on board in the last little bit, uh, last couple hours, honestly. 
But if you are anywhere, if you could get down by San Antonio in Floresville, Texas, to Cycle Ranch on that day, it's it's free to ride all day. Go to a local dealership, Dallas Fort Worth area, down South Texas. They have free tickets to get in, all kinds of giveaways, ride all day. There's going to be food. Just Man, he sent me a picture. I think a Colt, we have a Colton Haker helmet that's going to be a giveaway. It's freaking rad, dude. If I don't win that, I'm going to be pissed. So, yeah, check that out. Fly Fun Day on Facebook. And later tonight, like I said, Todd will be on here. He'll give you some more info. But uh, we'll be there. I'll be out there supporting X-Brand and supporting the Moto X-Pod show. So I hope to see all you guys there. Um, not a lot to talk about because there hasn't been much going on the last couple weeks. So um, we'll, we'll take a little break, and we'll be back with the king. Hey, Kylie. Does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses Shock Socks, the original and number one 10-second removable fork sill protector. Looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork sills. So, if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork sills, get Shock Socks. Go to shocksocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. Darkside here. Are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well, if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. From custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions, and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Char at 936-828-1472 or email Char, C-H-A-R, at mxgirl.com, and that's mxgirl, G-U-R-L, and tell her Moto X-Pod sent you. Madjack Synthetics is an independent dealer of Amsoil Synthetic Oils. Amsoil has been around for 45 years and was the first company to bring synthetics to the general public in 1972. Since then, Amsoil has led the way in application-specific oils and fluids designed solely for your cars, trucks, motorcycles, boats, and more. We understand what your needs are when it comes to protecting your investments, whether it be your motorcycles or the vehicle you use to transport your motorcycles. Dane Evans and Madjack Synthetics is nationwide with customers and warehouses all across the USA and Canada. By joining the preferred customer program, anybody can buy Anzoil products factory direct at wholesale pricing. Want to stock it at your shop or use it on your fleet of vehicles for your business? Would you like to become an Anzoil dealer and have a tax write-off for your trips to the track or trail and start selling Anzoil to your friends and fellow racers? With Amsoil, you get free shipping on orders over $100, even when you are a wholesale customer. Contact Dane Evans to find out how it all works. We at Mad Jack Synthetics are riders and racers just like the guys at the Moto X Pod Show. We know what you need to keep you in the game week in and week out. Amsoil Incorporated is a sponsor of many of your favorite series. Monster Energy Supercross, Snowcross, ATV MX, Daytona Bike Week, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, GNCC, King of the Hammers, Hot August Nights Car Show, and Motorcycle Mechanics Institute. Contact Dane and tell him the Moto X Pod Show sent you. Let him help you save money on your maintenance using Amsoil. Contact Dane at 805-531-9551 or toll free at 855-623-5225 or at madjackdiesel.shopamsoil.com. Like us and contact us on Facebook at Dane Amsoil Guy, on Twitter at Dane underscore Evans 393, and on Instagram at Dane underscore Amsoil Guy. 
What's up, Moto X Pod listeners? This is Darkside, and as motocross racers, one of our top priorities is safety. That's why All Sport Dynamics wrist braces are one of my favorite products. All Sport Dynamics sees themselves as the Picasso of safety braces. Their passion for design and developing beautiful braces never stops. They've had the privilege to work with some of the largest names in the sports industry and have established a reputation for always bringing innovation to the table with every brace. For the pro chasing the championship or the six-year-old whose mom wants to avoid a broken bone, please try All Sport Dynamic Wrist Braces. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com or check out Instagram at wristbraceguy or call 936-569-1003 and ask for Jeff Brewer or Gary White. And keep in mind, these are the wrist braces that Justin Bogle, Joey Savacci, Weston Pike, Adam Cianciarello, Matt Gerke, and Brock Tickle wear in their pro careers. Check them out, All Sports Dynamic Braces. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. With research and development, they have become a leader in safety and comfort. Fly Racing is worn by many of the top athletes in motocross and supercross, including Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Andrew Short, Damon Bradshaw, and Adam and Tyler Antonap. Seven two Trey, I wear Fly, wear Fly Q. 2019 Fly Racing line includes the popular Light Hydrogen, the new Evolution DST line, the all-new women's light line, a redesigned F2 helmet, the FR5 boot, and Zone and Zone Pro goggles. Fly Racing also has hard parts for mountain bike products and snow gear. Go to flyracing.com or check out your local dealer for more info. All right, guys, so we are up with our first guest of the night for episode 100. In, in my opinion, it's the biggest guest we could have ever gotten. I've been waiting months, years to have this man on the line. It's the one and only Showtime Jeremy McGrath. What's up, Jeremy? Not much. How are you guys doing? Doing really good. Qu- like, quite honestly, I, this is one of the first ones that I've been a little bit nervous about. <laughs> uh, there's nothing to be nervous about. It's kind of cool to be part of the uh, show 100. That's yeah, cool. well, you know, I actually, we skipped a couple shows to make sure that we could land you on the 100th episode. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. We, I, You know, I've been working with Vanessa for a while trying to get this going. And, um, you know, after MX of Nations, we kind of got it worked out. And... Yeah, we just took yeah. a week or two off so that we can make sure that you were part of 100. Right on, man. Well, thanks for having me again. It's uh, exciting. And, uh, yeah, it was good to catch up at Motocross Nations, even though we were swamping it out a little bit there with all the mud. Yeah, that was uh, that was my first time at Redbud and my first Mix of Nations, so what a freaking experience it was. I know. Well, <clears throat> I'm sure for you, what a major letdown, because Redbud's so awesome, for one. And second... We got all that rain, and that just didn't help anything either. And then thirdly, I guess, you know, our guys had a tough time, obviously. So, you know, uh looks like you're going to have to redo that most of the nation's trip. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll make Aston next year, but I don't know that it's going to be a whole lot better for us next year up there. Yeah, well, I didn't, you know, I'm not sure you need to go to Aston or whatever, <laughs> but maybe the next one in the U.S. it won't be so bad. We'll yeah. See. Hopefully not, but I mean, honestly, overall, that was an amazing experience that just watching oh, all yeah. those guys and being a part of it and the track really, it was sloppy a little bit, but I don't think it was as muddy necessarily as people thought it was once you, when you were out there. Well, you know, I mean, for a California boy, that was pretty muddy, but <laughs> right, right. for Aaron, Aaron Plessinger and guys like that, it probably wasn't too bad. However, yeah. those guys struggled a little bit compared to the Euros, but, for sure. um, 
Yeah, anyways, what I thought was great about it is the fact that there was so much motocross passion, you know? I mean, everyone was just like, I love the energy there. And so that, that told me that, hey, the future is bright for, for our sport and, and all the enthusiastic people that were around to enjoy it. And, and, you know, they come out and persevered in that crappy weather. That yeah. was uh, good, for, good for the fans. I mean, that was really, really cool. It was. It absolutely was. Well, Jeremy, I want to go back a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm 43 years old. My very first Supercross ever was the 1990 Anaheim. Um, so I, I, I met you for the first time there. Uh, I've got, you, I still have that, uh, team picture and autograph and man, what an introduction for me for, to Supercross to, to see the, the beginnings of just what was an amazing career. I mean, you're seven times Supercross champ, two 125 championships, two FIM world championships, uh, motocross champion, you just won the Lucas Olaf road championship. I mean, you got the BMX hall of fame, the AMA hall of fame. I mean, you know, back when you were a kid running around California on a bicycle, could you have ever dreamed <laughs> this would have happened? No, certainly not. I mean, you know, I always tell the story. It's funny because, you know, in 1990, I mean, even, so you were there, you were there in 90. I was running for team green at that time. Yep. So, you know, at that point, I still had no idea what the heck was going on. I was sort of clueless, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I did win a Supercross in 90. It wasn't Anaheim, but it was it was uh, Vegas. So there was some, you know, there was a light at the end of the tunnel when it came to some the beginning of my career. But the, the funny thing is, you know, when I was racing BMX and doing all that as a little kid, I mean, I, I had no idea. I mean, I had no idea it was going to turn into anything. And, you know, I, I was a pretty decent BMX racer, but, I definitely wasn't lighting the world on fire, you know what I mean? So uh, <clears throat> I was happy when my day came along on the motocross track or on the supercross track for sure. Right. You know, and I said 90, and I misspoke. It was actually 91 because it was your first year with Team Peak because I, oh, okay. I have the number 125, go. and then I've got the next year with the, the number one on it. So I've got both those okay. autographs. Yeah, been but, there. yeah. Yeah, but, um, but still, man, what just – that you know, what I remember the most, and I've told the story so many times, was – there was like a little double double thing on that track that today would be nothing. And I remember Cooper quadding the quadding it and like having my mind blown at what guy Cooper was doing. That's, <laughs> that's the memory I have the most of that's really where I, my, my love for the sport felt came as watching guy Cooper, to be honest, but man, just to have the privilege to get to watch you back then also, and, and to see what you be, what you became and the legend that is. Yeah, well, you know what? It's funny because I, as, as, uh, look, I'm three years older than you. So, you know, in 91, when Cooper was doing all that stuff, I mean, I was still like a, a you know, I was 18 or whatever, yeah. 19. And I was still going, okay, these guys are, you know, they're way out of my league. They're way out of touch. They're guys that, you know, I can only see in magazines and stuff. And then when I was done, able to, finally able to get to the track and stuff and see those guys ride. It was like, I mean, I was, trust me, I was as blown away as you were. <laughs> and uh, to think back, you're right. I mean, you're right. To to see those jumps and some of those sections and stuff that, that today would be pretty minimal for, for the size of the bikes and the power that the bikes got and the level the riders have gotten. Right. But to be doing that on those those bikes and, and uh, with the two strokes, the way they were and all that, I mean, that was just amazing stuff, actually. Agreed. Uh, going back to the uh, MX of Nations, I uh, I keep up a lot with the uh, MXGP series, and 
and you were there in person. How how gnarly are those MXGP guys, in your opinion? Well, I think uh, certainly the two KTM guys, well, three of them, really, all three of them. Yeah. All three factory KTM guys were, like, on another level. And Hurling's, um, you know, all I'd ever seen before is just magazines and a couple of videos here and there, but watching him in person, person was pretty impressive. He was, uh, yeah, that kid was on fire, and I don't know where he gets all that speed from, but, man, he is just, he's amazing. He was riding like crazy. It was awesome. Yeah, you know, again, that's the first time I had ever seen him in real life, you know, other than TV and stuff. And it just seemed like their technique was just a little different. You're riding a gear higher, kind of not dropping into the rut so much, but just maybe being a little low in the rut and not coming to such an abrupt, not not cutting the corner so sharp. Just seemed like little technique things were where they were excelling at, and our guys just weren't quite there, at least on that particular day. Well, you know what? I was – I. I, I was looking at it like these guys were like dirt surfing. Yeah, yeah. And and our guys were like still chopping the corners. It was crazy because the line, like you said, the line choice alone from what those guys were doing that day were, was like, I mean, 180 degrees different from what our guys were doing. And you know what they always say when, when uh, you know, you come up on a guy or you're riding with a guy all the time, you actually all start riding the same yeah and it, it's true i think all our guys ride totally different than their guys now and i think their style for some reason sort of looks like they've left our guys a little bit in the dust you know when it comes especially when it comes to that out, outdoor and, and muddy stuff you know yeah you know and i and you know we're big pulp fans here so we listen to mathis and uh, jason and weingat and all the guys that are on and you know, I think they're they're onto something when they say that you know Supercross really is what we focus on the most here. Yeah, and yeah. that has taken away some of those outdoor skills. You know, look, going into this race, the big hoopla was who's better, Eli or Hurlings, and you can't tell that in one race. It would take months of a series and different conditions to say who the best is. But I, I don't doubt that if our guys rode outdoors constantly like they do we'd be right there with them oh i think you're right i think you're right and it it, is it's kind of a you know it is kind of a a little bit of a fantasy to think that you can go okay well who's better hurlings or tomac or whatever it's like look our stuff's totally different and you know we we shouldn't be complaining when we get get smoked by the euros because we've created that with the the hype from supercross right we all We all say, like you said, look, we all say Supercross is more important. That's the deal. Uh, Supercross is where it's at. Well, then we go to outdoors and we go, well, shit, our guys get smoked. <laughs> so, what you know, what are we, what are we supposed to do? This is what we've created for ourselves. So, um, you know, it's for me, it's I, I, I just look at it like that. I, no, you're it's, right. It's it's only that's the only way you can look at it. I mean, it's kind of like trying to say like who's better. Roger DeCosta or Jeremy McGrath. Well, you know what? Guess what? We're never going to know. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, look, it's it's different era, different deal. There's there's no way you're, and you and you can have that argument until we die. It's you're For sure. never you're never going to get a clear-cut answer on that. And that's the crazy part about it. So, and I think it's the same thing with you know, same thing with what they're doing. If if those guys put a little more emphasis on supercross, they might lose a little speed in outdoor. But 
they have a bike that they've set up over years and years and years and years and years without ever going to a supercross track. So what you know? What do we expect is going to happen? Yeah, I really. mean, you're 100 percent right. I think maybe going in like our sometimes our American pride kind of takes t- gets in the way of reality. Well, I think so, and you know, I've come to learn over the years and watching all this stuff. You know, it. it we want to be great at everything, and when you're great at one thing, you want you think you can be great at everything. Well, that's, you know, I mean, we all know as much as we'd love for that to happen, but we all know that that cannot happen. True, you can't be great. You you can't be great at everything. You know, because of I was you know great at Supercross doesn't mean I can go uh, be Lewis Hamilton. You know what I mean, or whatever. Right, it, right. It just doesn't work that way. You know. So we saw. Uh... Villapoto race the Monster Cup and and Dungey and Villapoto do the straight rhythm. Have you uh, mm-hmm. ever, in your right mind, thought about <laughs> doing these races? Well, look, when I um, retired from racing and then I came back and raced some races in, you know, two thousand five and six or four and five and six, whatever. Um, you know, I, I raced for fun and I enjoyed it, but you know, Ryan Villapoto and Ryan Dungey, Ryan Dungey's you won't see Ryan Dungey going to race Monster Cup. I can guarantee that. I mean, at least I'd, I'd bet money on it. Villapoto, I think he's he's still trying to figure out what he's doing, retiring, like trying to find himself. Yeah, we all think he we all think he stopped a little bit early. Um, you know, so he's going to be naturally he's going to be trying to find his way, right? Yep. Uh, it took me it took me a few years to figure out. Okay, look, I'm just racing for fun, but it was a really nice way for me to wind down my career. Now, these guys just stopped their career. So it's a little bit harder position to be in. Um, but I can tell you that Ryan Villapoto won't want to do that too many times, right? Because he, he, no one even saw him out there. He was like in 12th or whatever place he was in. So that's not the great Ryan Villapoto that we wanted to see, right? We want to see, and we want to see him up front and all that because, absolutely, he, you know, he's, he's become a victim of his own success, right? He's won so much that when anything less, we're all kind of like, oh, man. He's not good now or whatever. So that's that's what always naturally happens to the champions. If they go back and want to have some fun with it or whatever, they really get judged harshly because of the fact that they've won so much. So, right. you know, Ryan, uh, Ryan's become a victim of his, his own success. But, you know, it's, it's really up to him as long as he's having fun, you know. it's You hate to water down such a great career. Um, and then I know right now he's just getting ready to go race the Australian Supercross series in, in – uh, you know, under tough situations, right? He just had his dad pass, and that's yeah. kind of a bummer. So, um, you know, things are not looking super great for him. But, uh, you know, as long as he's having having some fun, I think it's my advice would be like, look, have some fun with your dirt bike, but try not to compete so much anymore. Then you you don't get judged. Yeah, you know? right, right. Well, since we're talking about that just a little bit, you you raced Mammoth, uh, I believe it was last year. Um, and I have a I have a listener question from a uh, Gary Sutherland. He wants to know how it felt oh, to get. Yeah. He wants to know yeah. how it felt to get beat in a moto by a guy with a headlight. Yeah, no, he's Gary is awesome, man. He's a great <laughs> rider. He he put the wood down on me too in the second moto. Um, but remember, I, that was actually in June, so that wasn't that long ago, right? And uh, I don't know. He's almost he's almost picking on a senior citizen. <laughs> I think he just I think he just turned thirty, and I raced the thirty class, even though I'll be forty-seven. Yeah. Gary's a buddy of the show, I did, so hey, I did. I did beat him one moto, so that was good. Yeah, yeah. He he's a buddy of the show, and I man, he was like yeah. in awe of just being there on the line with you. So I thought 
I thought that was pretty funny when he he told me to ask you that. But uh, so hey man, no, he's a, he's a, we had a fun time. He's a great rider, and I had fun with all those guys. And you know, I consider them kids now. But right, they, those guys were going fast, and and I had all I could take. That's for sure. And the second day, like Sunday, I felt much more comfortable. I hadn't ridden on a gate or raced in a while, so second day I was much much better. But those guys are those are guys are flying, and they're willing to take way more chances than I am. So. Uh, yeah, it was a good time, though. Good deal, man. It was awesome just seeing the, the pictures and the video, the footage of it, just seeing you back out there, you know, reliving my, the glory days. I, I like seeing you out there because, in my mind, you're still the king. You, you can still go out and beat anybody, you know, it just, it's... <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying until it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> well, hey, so... But I tell you this, hey, look, there was four... I raced four races, there was four whole shots, I, I whole shot two of them. So nice. I led laps in both races in two out of the four races so that part i was really proud of heck yeah nothing wrong with that man uh you know hey look jeremy you've been known as one of not only one of the best riders of all time but very personable very well liked very friendly was that something that came easy to you dealing with the fans dealing with the media um or is that something that you know at times was difficult well i mean look Every superstar in their own right, in their own sport or whatever, comes across, you know, you're going to come to a lie in the road where, you know, uh, you're going to have to make a, sometimes it's kind of a shitty call, you know, like, look, I don't have time right now. I got some business I got to take care of, whatever. And, and, you know, if you're in the spotlight, those things are going to happen more often than not. Right. Um, that's just how I am. I'm, I'm a really easygoing guy. My mechanic always used to really admire the fact that when it was time to race i could just flip the switch and go racing instead of being so serious all the time and um you know i was never the athlete or never the competitor that had to hate the other guys um just to beat them or race them like that trust me i had enough drive inside that i didn't have to worry about all that and i always thought like hey if i do my best then it should be enough to smoke the rest of these guys and, and a lot of times it was yeah um so you know for me i guess i'm lucky in that way i don't i don't have to uh you know, I would, I always thought of it like with the fans, for instance, if I make time for this guy right now, then I'm definitely not going to have to think about it in 30 seconds. <laughs> and I know a lot of times, and I've seen it from my own eyes, from other guys that I really admire that race motocross, but I've seen them, you know, not act the way I would act. Um, but, but I always, it really bothered me if I told somebody like, Hey, I just can't sign right now. I, I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. I, I was, and I really was not telling the truth or I was just trying to get out of the situation. Yeah. Because then I sat there and I thought about it for the next 30 minutes. Like, man, I was such a dick. I can't believe I would do that. Blah, blah, blah. So I just, you know, even though I, I'm a pretty easygoing guy and no stress, whatever happens is happens. Um, you know, it really bothered me when I acted like that. And, and that just came natural. I didn't really, I would prefer to just handle it and not have to think about it, you know? Cause right. Right. Once you just get it done and get it out of the way, and then it's over with. You don't have to think about it. Well, and I, um, that's the way I choose to think about it. You know. Well, I'll give you a little story. I, I told you I met you know met you in '91, but I moved to Texas and that later that year '91, and uh, it was either '93 or '94 Supercross. Box uh, yeah. Van Days. I told the story to Skip when we had him on a few weeks ago, and um, you were done signing autographs. You're in the back of the va- the truck, and I asked Skip. I said, Hey. I drew this picture of Jeremy um, in art class in high school. Would you just give it to him? I don't expect him to come out of the truck, whatever. And he walked in there and gave you the, the picture. And you actually came out of the truck, came up, said hi to me, shook my hand, you know, and, and 
you know, as a high school kid, that meant so much. Like another story that I'll never forget that that was imprinted on me. A a moment that, you know, that will always be a part of something I got to experience. Well, I mean, that's, that's cool. And you know what? I, I didn't have to try to do those situations. I just felt like that was what I, you know, what I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I never wanted to leave anyone with going, man, that guy's such a prick, you know? And um, that, it was more important me to just, more important to me to make sure that, um, you know, I wasn't, like, hurting anyone's feelings, and that's just how I am. So uh, I'm stoked, you know, that made a lasting impression on you. And, and uh, you know, I've had the same thing happen to me from, uh, from other athletes yeah. where I've gotten really great impressions, but then I've also went away going, man, that guy's not who I thought he was. You know what I mean? And <laughs> sure. And you know, cause it's funny, you can be who you want to be on TV. You can set that up. You can fake all that stuff, but you know, in real life, that's not going to, that's not the way it is. And you're, and you're going to get caught not being the guy that you, you're trying to fake being, you know? So it's just easier to be real. And that's kind of always just, you know, thought of it like that. Right. It just made it easier. So I know we're running out of time. I'd like to ask you two more questions. Um, so you you had you you almost had a perfect season. Um, that that was probably I don't know if it was regret regret, but a disappointment. But I want to know what was a a bigger disappointment not not having the perfect season or le- or be, getting beat by Ferry and Mathis at Summercross. Well, I don't really. I mean, Summercross <laughs> that don't really count. Because yeah, I crashed, so I gave them that race. Right. It wasn't like they beat me. I had the thing in the bag, and I, I screwed it up. Yeah, it's more of a joke. Rare. Yeah, it was rare. Yeah, Mathis, I'll tell him all day. He got lucky on that one. Right. But uh, certainly, I'll tell you that made me more mad, and not even because not even because it broke the streak or it took my race. I just made me more mad that I got beat by Emig. <laughs> the way I look at it is I made Emig famous on that one race. Right. So... You know, I, I hated getting beat by that guy because I didn't think that he, he, at the time, you know, he just didn't act like I thought someone, a normal person should act. He was, he just, I don't know. We didn't get along. It's, it's sure. commonly known that we didn't get along. Absolutely. And uh, he's a totally different person than I am. And <clears throat> every time I could beat him, I just, whatever it took, I would do that. So the part that bothers me most is not even the part that it ruined a perfect season. It was just the part that it was actually him. Right, yeah, I can understand. I, I, yeah, that's what made that rivalry so great, though, is that passion you guys had. But hey, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I know that you need two great guys, and 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 when they when they dislike each other, yeah. it probably makes it better for everybody else. Absolutely. But well, hey, my last question. You know, we've all, we've oh. all we've all grown up a lot. He's grown up a lot. And sure, it's, it's different now. It's different now. But back then we were kids, and I just I didn't agree with how he was acting. So anytime I could. Get it, get one on him. I was stoked about it. Absolutely. All right. So my last question is a listener question from uh, Jeremy Mallet. He wants to know what you thought of the uh, Rendland and uh, Stanky tribute set, Straight Rhythm. <laughs> you guys know Jeremy, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So what did I think about it? Um, I was super stoked because it. First of all, Straight Rhythm is really cool. I like it. Um, and then secondly. What I liked a lot about it is there was a lot of guys paying a lot of tribute and respect to, to me and, and my era and all this stuff. So what it did for me is it, it it cemented the fact that all those fun things that we were doing back in the 90s 
were actually setting trends and, and it was actually pretty cool. So, um, you know, those guys had some cool bikes. They all were like representing themselves and representing the sport in a great way. And, uh, I, I really appreciated it and I thought that was super cool. So, I mean, I love what Hammer was doing with that event. I think it was cool and, uh, I, I hope it keeps going. Now, it's funny. He just hit me up on a text about, uh, he wants to set up a match race between me and Carmichael in the two strokes <laughs> uh, awesome. at that, at that race. Well, I don't know. I got to be careful. I don't fall for a trick because Carmichael still, he's, he's pretty badass. It would probably end up beating me, but it sounds pretty cool on paper, but it's not here. That might be better left to fantasy. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, for you, it, yeah, because you don't want to get beat, obviously, but for the fans, yeah, only, can you imagine? There's, there's only downside for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but That's the can, bad part. Can you imagine, though, what the, the fan turnout and reaction for that would be? It would just be unreal. Yeah. It would be pretty fun. And, and I have a two-stroke, and I do ride it and stuff, and I, it might be. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I might have to dust it off to do that. Who knows? Well, definitely keep thinking about it because, uh, yeah, if you guys do that, I'm coming out next year for that that event if that happens. But Jeremy, yeah, yeah. Well, I I, ho- I hope um, you know what from what they're doing right now with the with the with the straight rhythm stuff. Seems like it's it's taking off with this little two stroke vibe. So definitely, um, it's awesome. We'll see. We'll see. Jeremy, yeah. thank you so much, man. I know you got to get going. Um, honestly, a huge, huge honor to have you on. Um, just, I can't say anything other than that. It, it was mad respect for your career and the person that you are and what you did for our sport. Well, you know what? It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. I appreciate you having me. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we've got into a little bit of it, but I know you guys probably have a hundred more questions. Yeah. So, you know what that means? That opens the door for visit number 2.0. So let's, let's get that on the books and we'll do that. Um, not too not too long from now absolutely yeah i definitely you're right i have a lot more questions but we'll 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 do it another time maybe uh maybe it won't be a hundred shows from now but we'll we'll do it again soon well yeah promise me it won't be a hundred shows nope. from now no and hey I, i'll uh i'm sure you'll be at a1 i'll be i'm flying out for a1 so maybe uh maybe we can get together and you know shake hands and say hi again yeah let's do it and let's like i said let's get it Maybe uh, maybe after A1 or whatever, we'll do, uh, we'll do a Supercross revisit on what happened. Hey, it's, it's, it's a date, man. It's booked. All right. All, all right, right Jeremy. Thanks, Thanks, buddy. See you. All right, guys. We'll appreciate it. Have a good one. Uh, uh, happy holidays, and we'll, uh, we'll speak soon. You too, man. Thank you. Okay, all later, right, guys. Right. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of done. I don't know. I think I just I could end the show right now. You're like over here sweating. You're like, yeah, that was that was awesome for me, man. I mean, I, like you're a little younger than me, yeah. so that that but that was that was my generation. Like that was my everything in Supercross. Yeah, you said your first Supercross was 1990. Mine was 20 years later, yeah. 2010 in Dallas okay. at AT&T Stadium with the new Jerry Jones. Oh wow! Stadium. So you never even went to the old Texas Stadium? No. I didn't. Damn. No. And you're a baby. Uh, yeah, because Carl, my he's one of the sponsors on here. Yeah, you know, York Welding. Uh, my mom, when she got remarried, we moved here. Then I got into motocross. Okay. Then, uh, my first year of watching it was 07. And then my first Supercross was 2010. So I've been going every year since 2010. And uh, that was actually Blake Baggett's first victory. Oh, wow. Yeah, in 2010. yeah. 2010. Yeah. And um, let's see who else was there. Dungey was there. I think he was 
on a like, 50. Yeah, year. I think that wasn't was Stroop there? Year. Was that the year Stroop was there? And yeah, Stroop and um, Stewart, or was he hurt? I can't remember. I remember there was a big pile up though in the first turn. If you go on YouTube, you'll see it. But there was like a big pile up in the first turn, and only three guys made it through. I don't know. It was a, it was a really fun time. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you missed you. You definitely missed the McGrath years, but I mean it. Yeah. It just changed the sport. What he did, you know, it 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 brought it into the mainstream, and you know him and like a few years like Travis Pastrana, kind of just those elevation where like almost everybody knew the name Jeremy McGrath. I didn't even get to ask him about the knack knack and man, I have so many other questions. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked that we'll do it again. Yeah. Yeah. My, I think my favorite superstar rider like MC was, uh, James Stewart. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, he was still badass in that time that I got into the sport. And, um, I was always afraid to meet him cause they always <laughs> say, don't, don't meet don't, your heroes. Don't meet your heroes because you might be disappointed. And every time I saw him in Supercross, I'm like, oh, I want to stay away from him, or I might be disappointed. But no, um, I think we all we all miss him. And I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of sad to see that number seven on. Oh yeah, me bike. too. I was like, God, yeah, me too. It's really over. Yeah. And so, but uh, all good things must come to an end. At some yeah, point. it's unfortunate so, he left the way he did. You know, as far as a fan standpoint, that he didn't say goodbye. Basically. Well, he did like. AJ Canizaro's pitcher. Right. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, we're gonna get AJ on. He was supposed to be on uh last week, I think, and then I, I got my time zones messed up. He was on yeah. the East Coast and I told him the wrong time. And then by the time I needed him to come on, he he had figured I wasn't gonna call him, so I screwed that up. But we're gonna get him on pretty soon and talk about that. Let's take a little break and we'll get ready for uh, Diana Dahlgren's next. Yeah. On the line with us, uh, we just had the king of Supercross on. Now we have our queen, the the really only true <laughs> Miss Supercross, the five time Miss Supercross, Diana Dahlgren. How are you doing tonight, Diana? You guys are so kind. I'm doing great. How are you? We're doing good. It's uh really cool to talk to you. I got to say thanks to Brady Bowers for for hooking that up. Um, I know. Yeah, she's, she's rad. Ball, right? You know, it's funny. I've been trying to find a way to get you on for probably a year. I, you know, I've DM'd you on on social media, and I, I get the feeling you probably don't check your DMs too much. Um, I'm, I'm friends with Daniel Blair. Right I'm friends with Daniel Blair. I asked Daniel to try to text you, and he's a busy guy, but Brady came through. Brady came through. You know, she has the direct connection to me. She didn't have to slide up in the DM. Yeah, it was funny. Just like I texted her, and she's like, "Well, hang on a minute." It was probably two minutes later. She's like, "Yep, here's her number." I'm like, "Okay." Yeah, I mean, I, you're right. I don't check DMs. I'm not like a. You know how some girls are just all over that Instagram. I'm just, I'm just not. Like, I'm not about that. Like, on my Instagram all the time. So. It's actually hard for me. My husband, Frogman, actually tries to get me to be more social on there. I'm just, I just got so much stuff going on, but it's kind of, it's more of a hassle than anything. Yeah, hey, your phone's breaking up a little bit. Um, Uh-oh, hold on. Okay. But yeah, you you saying that? I mean, you're better now. Oh yeah, that's a lot better. Um, <laughs> <Okay>, so <great. laughs> you it seems like you do have you you post a lot. It's just probably 
the actual interacting with the, the the fans, I guess, that's probably difficult. I'm sure you get millions of messages, and some of them would probably be pretty entertaining to, to see. Oh, well, do you guys ever see my DM Chronicles? Yeah, I've, I've seen some of that, yeah. Yeah, that DM Chronicle is real funny. Let me tell you what, I just love to take a great shot, and then I post them and let them all know how, what I'm getting for my, well, yeah. <laughs> my messages. That's That's got to be um, probably, I, I would say, one of the negatives of the the job and what you did is probably the the guys and the the groping I've heard stories about the groping and the 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 messages and all that stuff how did you handle that throughout the Miss Supercross career especially with taking pictures in the pits and the fans being thinking they could do touch maybe a little more than they should you know guys I'm really lucky I actually didn't have anyone ever really grope me um it, they people were more, like, intimidated by me. Like, like you want to know something? I, I'll say the Supercross fans are just because they really treated me with, like, respect. It was very rare for me to get someone who was an asshole, you know, mm-hmm. that just purposely, like, treated me like I was, you know, trash or something like that. Like, everyone was always really respectful of me, always asked to take a picture with me. Um, I never had anyone grope me or be disrespectful. The only thing, the worst things I've had is like on Instagram. Like I really haven't gotten any uh, dick pics. <laughs> I haven't gotten that many, you know, compared to a lot of other girls on Instagram where they get them almost daily. You know, I don't yeah. get that. I get a whole lot of like, hey, how are you? Um, you know, I love that you're super, super gross. You know, sometimes please come back super gross. I honestly get please come back to Supercross messages daily. Oh, I would assume, yeah. You, I mean, you. I, there's no way in hell you would remember this, but I, I saw you. I didn't meet you. I think it was your first year. Was 2011 your first year? Yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so at Houston, th- back in the pits at that time, they were doing like they. You would go in the pits, and there was two other people, um, like uh, up at a table, and you guys would do like Supercross trivia and give stuff away. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, that's the first time I saw you, and I mean, and it, it seemed like shortly after that, like it became a phenomenon almost. You know, Miss Soupy, and you you just became really extremely popular. You're the first Miss Supercross that I really was like, oh, that's Diana. You know, and everybody knew who you were. Yeah, I'm really really lucky. I <laughs> I don't. I'm just really lucky. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I got really. You know, I'm really blessed that I was able to do it for five years. Not only that, just because I grew up watching Supercross and going to A1 every year, and we'd go to A2, and if there were three A1s that year, we'd go to all three of them, or we'd go to San Diego. And, you know, I grew up going to the racetrack with my brother. Um, we grew up in a community where a lot of moto kids came out of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Canyon Lake, California. It's in Southern California, um, the little suburb area in Temecula Valley. And, you know, right out the north gate of Canyon Lake was Paris Raceway. And then you had, you know, Paula. Right. And you had, you know, GFI tracks and Chaparral was huge. You know, my brother rode privateer um, life for like one or two years for Chaparral. And, and oh, cool. So I just grew up in that mix and I just always loved it. Never did I imagine I would actually be one of the 30-second card girls, you know? <laughs> I didn't start thinking like that until I was more like 14, 15, 16 years old, you know, when little girls start to dream. And I was like, you know what? I think that would be fun, you know, to do. 
And then I started modeling, and then all of a sudden, my friends, they worked at Monster Energy, and then I just put in a word to someone who worked in Monster, not even the model program, and then they got me to Kelly Louch. She managed the model program. Um, that was right when she started mo- uh, managing it, and, and one thing led to the next, and then um, here I was with Miss Supercross. So it's been really, it was just a really cool road. You know, I'm 28 now, which a lot of people think that I'm really young. I'm like... I'm all like, no, I feel old. You know, I've been traveling and doing all this stuff for 10 years straight now. Um, but, yeah, I started seeing the Monster Girl when I was 18. I wow. became Miss Supercross when I was 20. And then, you know, for five years, I was Miss Supercross. And so now it's been a wonderful road um, after my Miss Supercross career because I've gotten to do so much TV work. And I couldn't, uh, I could not thank my career as Miss Supercross enough because that's why I am a television yeah personality now. right yeah my uh my wife she's uh she's a huge fan of you and she uh talks to your friend Kristen, body by Kristen. they they talk i think almost every day um and she actually did one of her challenges and you uh sponsor body by Kristen with your salt and honey um my right. wife actually won one of the challenges by body of Kristen, and um one of the things that she got was a sticker so we got a salt and honey sticker, and she stuck it on the back of her car. So we have been uh, representing your brand in, here in Texas. That is so awesome. Yeah. I, so. It's crazy how much salty honey has taken off because it two years ago, you know, we started it a little over two years ago now, and we have had tremendous success, especially this year. It's like something – it's like totally taken off this year. Um, so we're just, we're just so grateful. Yeah, like a lot of people don't know that. Um, I was heavily into fitness the same time I was the Supercross. Mm-hmm. So I would do fitness shows, but I always try to joke around and say, oh, you'd never know I was into fitness because, like, I would gain 20 or 25 pounds after my fitness competition. <laughs> so I would put on my winter coat while I was Miss Supercross, and then I'd lose all the weight, you know, for my um, for my show. So um, I've always been into fitness. I was a gymnast for 10 years, and, you know, I've always working out. It's always been a... a a strong thing to do for me in my life. So, um, I started a fitness brand, so yeah. it's, it's been pretty cool. Yeah. You, you clearly are a business minded. You've, I mean, we've followed your stories throughout the years where, you know, you, you started a bar. Um, you've had a, a number of different endeavors that you've tried to get into. It seems like, you know, you, you definitely know what you want out of life and you're driven and that's, that's really, it's very impressive. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I know. I've always been like trying to figure out and be creative on how I can make ways off my or make money off my passion. So mm-hmm. um, it's been really wonderful. You know, I do like my yearly calendar, which I'm actually shooting tomorrow. Um, I usually shoot it a lot earlier than this, but I've just had so much going on with Salty Honey and kind of. I live in Vegas, but I'm driving down to Temecula every single month because all my friends are here, and, you know, I have birthday parties to go to. <laughs> I got girls' nights out. I got salty honey to, to happen. And then um, my husband is stationed in the SEAL teams in San Diego, so a lot of his friends are still down here. Yeah. So we just keep on coming back here, you know, every few weeks I'm down here for another week. So we'll probably end up moving back here at some point. So what, he was stationed at Coronado, I'd assume? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the, when I was, I'm, I'm a little older than you, but when I was uh, a baby, that's, my dad was a SEAL back in, I guess it would have been 77, 78. So I, I remember playing on that beach as a little kid at Coronado. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'd love to live there. But, you know, you got to be allowed to still be rich to live there. Yeah, exactly. So. 
Um, yep, yep. I probably won't live there. I would love to. If I need, if somehow I could make money, like to live there comfortably, I would one hundred percent do it. But I'm just not there yet. Right. Well, my fiance, we're in Texas, but she lived in Dana Point for a while, and then she just wants to move back so bad. And I was like, yeah, you better get a better job. So, because if we're moving to, out there, we're not going to do it on my income. But, hey, as a monster girl, so, you know, there's kind of a difference, I guess, from what I understand from being a monster girl and then being Miss Supercross. It's sort of, it's separate, is it not? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, what what was, what was it like going from being just a, a monster girl, 30-second card, uh, you know, doing the pit party stuff, and then transferring over to being Miss Supercross, and then they had you do on-mic stuff in the stadium, and then, of course, that led into TV stuff, I think, the second year, maybe? How, how was that transition? Honestly, it was an easy transition because I'm super independent. Like, I kind of, like, run on my own program. So I could conform to the rules, like, you know, for monster being a monster girl because, you know, you get to go out and mingle with the crowds and all that, but you're going to kind of confine basically to the monster trailer area as a right. monster girl. You know, they'll kind of let you maybe go out and walk around with a girl, um, but then you go down to the stadium and you do your your 30-second cards and all that stuff. When I became Miss Supercross, it was awesome because the first couple rounds, it was just like free reign. They're like, no, you just go out, mingle with people, take pictures. Well, that first few, you know, that first year, not a whole lot of people knew the Miss Supercross was because it was a new girl every single year who just holded, you know, a 30-second card, stood there for the podium pictures, and that was it. Yeah. It wasn't until I started doing I'm TV, which I did start doing it right away, that people started noticing me at rounds, and I think that's what gained my popularity so quickly, and people knowing my name and whatnot um, was really down to the TV aspect. Because you got to imagine, people who watched, you know, the, the or who are going to Indianapolis, you know, in, in March, they are watching every single round until we visit Indianapolis. So, um that's really how I got my traction, and it, and it was such an easy it was such an easy transition. There was like no hiccups or anything. Right. I just had a blast, and I'm a talker. Obviously, you can tell I ramble <laughs> on. So like me talking to people, like going up and being like the person who has to start that awkward conversation. That's no, I have no um, challenge when it comes to that because it's I'm able to do that. So yeah, it, it was it was awesome. Awesome. Um, going back to your to the uh, DM Chronicles, I uh, I think it was on your husband's page. He posted a picture of your son, and he had a concealed weapon in his his pants. I thought it was awesome. Uh, did y'all get any backlash? I'm just curious because y'all live in California. We all know the story of the littles there. Uh, were there any mad people in your DMs on that? Uh, honestly, they really didn't notice. I don't. I didn't notice any comments. But, you know, honestly, my husband is an ADCL, so for him to have a concealed carry MC clip gun, it just, it, it was, I didn't, I mean, I don't care. I let my husband basically do whatever he wants with our son. I'm not like a mom that's like, oh, you don't do that or right. anything like that, you know? I'm not my husband's mom, so... um I just kind of let him do whatever he does. He kind of knows. I mean, it's kind of common sense, right? But it was mm -hmm. a cute pick, and it was... He, my husband loves guns, so Ryan loves guns, so if he wants, you know, a little guy to have a cute little pick like that, um, I'm all for it. Sure, yeah. Well, no, no backlash. Right. No backlash at all. Yeah. I really don't, you know what I get backlash from? Because I don't really post too much stuff that's political. Um, I try not to because today's day and age, it's really 
sad how much people can't mm-hmm. have free opinion, right. you know, or just yes. can't have an open opinion. I can respect anyone who has different views than me. However, it's not reciprocated, which is really sad. Yep. So uh, I try not to post. I get a lot of people actually writing me and not saying that, like, if I comment on a Republican's page and put, like, you know, hell yeah, or woo-woo, go USA, or you know, hashtag MHGA, you know, I get backlash being like, oh, you know, she's a white supremacist, <laughs> racist, you know, racist. And Ryan's even gotten messages from people on his page saying like, you and your wife are KKK lovers and <sighs> fascists and, and, and um, racist. And we're like, what? Like, we don't ever even post. We just comment on people's posts. Right. Yeah, it's... It... I think the only thing... I've ever been boisterous about was not voting for Hillary Clinton because of the fact that she directly affected my husband's community. You have to think she was in charge of Benghazi and some of my husband's friends were killed because her lack of communication and skill. Right. Yeah, it's it's really sad. I mean, we don't need to get into too much, but the way the country is right now, we're like, yeah, you can't, it's like, it's either black or white. There is no gray it's it's ridiculous. I mean, everybody's so uptight about everything. Yeah, and I've been really big on letting everyone know that, like, we can still respect one another, you yep. know? Um, I actually was watching the movie Troy the other night, and there is that part where uh, the king, after, after Achilles kills Hector, the king of Troy goes down and, um, you know, kisses the feet of, of Achilles, who just killed his son, you know, and after his son back, and he goes, you know, you're still my enemy, but even enemies can respect each other. Absolutely. And I, I am 100% like that. Like, even if you don't like somebody, you can always respect them. You don't have to spit on their face or kick them while they're down. You know, um, we can help people still, if even if you don't like them. Yeah. Know, and that will go to show what your character is like. So um, I always try to tell everyone, in no matter what situation you're in, respect. You know, there's a couple of girls in... Um, it's the motocross industry, actually, who, who, uh, or I shouldn't say a couple of girls, but there's a girl, you know, in the motocross industry who has been sending, you know, just nasty DMs on Instagram to other girls who are starting businesses that are like hers. And I finally said something to her and said, you know, you don't have a leg to stand on, you know, and you can publicly blast these other girls, you know, and you can respect them and their dreams and their wishes for business and, and, you know, not shame them. Yeah. Right now, it's just such a crazy time in our in our society, and I think I agree. the only only way to heal that is to um, just start respecting, no matter what their opinion is. You know, definitely, yeah, you're 100 percent right. And it's but unfortunately, it's almost impossible to change people. Um, and all you can do is do what you're doing, do it right, and can't really worry about other people. And it sounds like that's the way you're living. Um, so hey. In your time as Miss Supercross, was there one experience or a couple that stand out as like just the the, the pinnacle of that five year period? Um, or if, if not one in particular, like what was the best part of a Saturday at a Supercross race? Was it being live? Was it just meeting fans, taking pictures with the kids? Everything. Everything. You know what? Everything was just so wonderful. I had the best time. You know, for the whole day. Gas day because I'm a happy person, you know. Yeah. Not, and I don't, I'm not a big complainer either, you know. Like, I might say, Oh, my feet hurt or my back hurt, but I'm not saying it like, Oh, I gotta get out of here because my feet hurt or my back hurt. I'm just stating a fact, you know. Um, I just had a blast, you guys. It literally was the 
best job in the world. So many people try to put down monster girls or try to put down, oh, well, she's just in a super process. Oh, she's just a monster girl. Honestly, it is the best job that a young, um, beautiful girl can have. And it is, there's so much opportunity behind it. And I hope that the current monster girls that try to be mother hen to them <laughs> sometimes, because they're only like, you know, 23 or 24, I'm 28. So I try to say like, you know, this is the best time of your life. Like, don't waste it on a mean boyfriend. Yeah. You know, don't complain. You know, if you're complaining, don't complain because you're going to look back at this day in five years and you're going to wish we're still in those shoes. Like, there's still some times where I'm like, oh, I'm sure I'm still a monster girl. Obviously, I'm no where I'm much past that that chapter in my book of life but you know you just you're going to cherish it someday so much and so you know try to live in the moment as much as possible and uh, I want to say what I would what I will say for sure is that now doing all my TV jobs like I just had to work for NASCAR and do a bunch of like social media interviews with the drivers Mm -hmm. Like, when big names know who you are, like, they walk in the room and you're like, oh, shit, I gotta, I gotta interview this guy, um, you know, and he's, like, a big-name NASCAR driver. And then he's like, what's up, Diana? Yeah. Yeah, what's going on? Well, a lot of those guys yeah, follow the cool. sport. I, I, you did such a great job on Supergross. I'm like, holy shit, you know who I am? <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. Goes, yeah, I know who you are. I love Supercross. I'm like, what? That's cool. What what are the chances we could get you and uh, Frogman and Baby Hunter to start a YouTube channel? I think that would be uh, uh, that would be awesome if y'all did that. You know what? That is hilarious that you say that because we actually are in the process of starting one. Oh, okay. One that has like basically covers our whole life, and we're doing yeah, we're going to start doing vlogs and you know like there's a lot of valuable information. Like I get so many moms writing me being like, "How do you work out with a baby at home? How do I get?" clients because of that same reason i get so many people being like how do you travel with the baby um how do you you know how do you you know you guys are so awesome can you do a can you do videos on your family so we're actually going to start doing it here shortly um yeah we're going to start putting like together five minute six minute videos and mm-hmm. posting them on our youtube channel and we'll see what happens you know that's awesome yeah i i, I bet it'll do really well you've got a lot of followers and I, they're going to continue to follow you so that's that's cool that'd be something to definitely subscribe to hey yeah so i've got a couple more things for you before we let you go um a couple years ago you did the wwe uh tough enough uh the reality show you were on for a few episodes um yeah, I just recently rewatched it just to kind of review what I remember. If if how I remembered it was how it was, they really kind of put. They made you look. They edited it where you looked kind of in a bad light. The other girls gave you a hard time um, because you you were very confident and you were definitely winning the challenges. Do you look back on that fondly, or do you regret that experience? No, I don't regret anything. I think I think I only regret I regret a couple ex boyfriends with anything in my life. But um, <laughs> um, no, it was a cool experience. I did not like I did not like the producers of the show, and they made sure to make my life like difficult. Gotcha. There. I was only there for about four, four weeks. Um, but yeah, like for instance. Oh, they didn't paint this picture, but basically I was in the midst of planning my own wedding and I was like two months away from getting married. And like all the details when you get married and everything and you're planning your own wedding, you're in charge of all that. Well, they tried to take away my cell phone, my computer and everything. And I was like, you guys, I can't 
just give up my cell phone and my computer while I'm planning my wedding. Okay, fine. You use your cell phone. You know that you just need to be off during filming. Okay, great. That's no problem. Well, then Ryan's schedule is not like the typical man's schedule where he works, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five, and then he has weekends off. Mm -hmm. That was how they were kind of dealing the filming, where we were filming during the week and then weekends we'd have off. Well, I told him I was like, my fiance is only off of work for for the 16th through the 30th of every month. That is the time we get to see uh, each other. So he's going to have to come here, and I'm going to have to be able to see him during the week, like at night when everyone else goes to bed. So then they were sneaking me out the door so that the other contenders wouldn't see me. And then, of course, they, but then what ended up happening is that they ended up working it into their storyline to make me look like the entitled person. Yeah. But I had just told them all this from the get-go before I even signed the TV contract of like, hey, these are my issues that I'm having, and if you guys want me to be on this show... Um, please just understand I ha need these things. You know, I didn't leave anyone in the dark, you know. So that was kind of shitty, um, in my opinion, um, on the TV producer's part because it wasn't, it was WWE who they hired. It was not WWE themselves. It was the people they hired. So, you know, they're a story producer. And then I'm such an honest, upfront person and I don't play games. So the whole reality TV bit was not my jam. Like, there was a story <laughs> producer in in the the uh, warehouse where we lived, and she was basically she was basically there to to cue in on everyone's drama. I hear people amazing beef, and then she would create drama out of there. She'd be like, "Hey, just let you know the other girls in the uh, room right now saying this, 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 and this." Oh wow! Well, she wanted me to get a reaction so that I would walk into the other room and search it. Well, then I would always stay in my bedroom and just be quiet and stay to myself. But then what they would do is they would bring a girl into my room and start beef with me. And I'm just like, I've just, I freaked out. I'm like, I can only keep myself contained for so long. Yeah. And then I will just beat my shit. And that's what I did. And they caught those moments on camera, obviously. Of course they did. Well, it was still pretty awesome to watch you kick their asses in the challenges, though. Other than the, 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 the falling backwards off the top rope, that one was pretty rough. Yeah, my um, yeah, I was not good about that one. But <laughs> what I will say is that I guess my glory moment was the one where they all talked shit on me because I had hurt my hip flexors. I had to sit in an ice bath. And when I came back into the house, they all just told me, like, you shouldn't do the next challenge. You know, you're going to get hurt more. Well, I was sitting there, you know, I was limping around. My hips were hurt so bad. And they had said, they had basically all voted before the challenge, like, who's the weakest link? Well, they all voted me because obviously I was hurt. Right. Well, then I ended up beating everyone in the challenge. And when I walked off stage, I told everyone to go fuck themselves. <laughs> and they actually heard that and just bleeped me out. Sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that on your No, it's fine. Podcast, but, it's fine. Uh, okay, good. And yeah, so I said that and I walked off the podcast. I was so, or I walked off the, uh, the, the mat and I was so pissed that I just told them to go F themselves. And um, they actually ended up airing that. And But that was like all me. That was real. Like I was pissed. You right. Know, like, you know, they had all told me how, you know, weak I was and all that. And then I went and I was hurt. And it ended up being more backlash because then they all told me I was taking my injuries. So it was just a headache. Honestly, sure. it's not real. It is not reality. So, um, it just sucks. So, yeah. Well, things, things worked out in the end anyway. And, um, you know, I'm sure you're much happier than you would have been. So. Right, right, right. Exactly. So I have a, uh, I have a young baby myself as you do. And, um, and when I was traveling, my wife was, you know, like, a like the stay at home mom, she was like the only parent. And so, um, with your husband being gone, you know, half of the month and, 
you being busy, how hard is it being a successful woman and trying to raise a baby while your husband is gone at the same time? Yeah, it's, um, it's, you want to know something? I kind of like when he's it's gone. It's like a 50-50, like, oh, I miss, I really miss him. I wish he was here, but I also don't mind it because I'm a workaholic. He even tells me all the time, like, dude, you work way too much. Like, you need to stop working. But what happens is sometimes I bring my mom with me because my mom doesn't have a job. Um, she, uh, so she's able to come with me, and I actually give her a little job, you know, like I, I appear to be my babysitter nanny. So like, for instance, this week I had to go up to LA yesterday. Today I'm running a bunch of errands. Tomorrow I have a photo shoot. Um, on Friday last week I had a photo shoot. So she, I had her come down to California with me this whole week and she's watched them four out of the six days I'm down here. Um, so that's really worked out well. And if I didn't have her, I would probably really rely on that, some of my best friends to watch Hunter. Um, if, if Ryan's off work then, and I have to do this same kind of setup where I don't have any options where I have to do photo shoots and, and work and, and travel, he'll come with me and we'll bring the baby and he'll watch the baby. There's been many times at X Games and whatnot where Ryan's came with me and he has Hunter and he watches Hunter the whole weekend or the whole week. And so, um, we try to just do everything as a family as much as possible. And I try to, to take a majority of my job during the first two weeks of the month when he's working and he's gone. So right now he's in New York city. Um, he'll be there until the 16th of the month. And so I'm basically doing all my work for salty honey, for my calendar, for my website and everything right now during these first two weeks. So that when he comes home, we can relax, but sometimes we don't get to relax. Yeah, it's 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 a busy life. Uh, you guys are definitely yeah. you guys are doing very well with what you're trying to put together. All the all the schedules and all the different things going on. It's pretty amazing that you guys make it work, but you clearly do. Yeah, we make it work, dude. <laughs> hey, so last question. Like I said, we've t- said already. You were five time Miss Supercross. When you stepped away, was that your choice, or did did uh, Monster or Feld, whoever? makes that decision decide it was time for a new miss supercross and would you if well i guess answer the question first honestly if i could be if i could be in reality what i think happened is i think that i was a little too busy for what they had hoped for like that was the the last year of meeting miss supercross was the same year that I was building my bars, yeah. and we were having a lot of issues up there. And it was actually 2000, that year, I think it was 2015, was probably one of the worst years of my life, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, just a lot of pickups, a lot of family drama and whatnot. And so what had happened is I, when it came to me being a super cross, I was just, like, there were some weekends I was super emotional, you know, and I was, you know, I think one weekend I almost couldn't make it to the round. Like, it was a bad um, a bad, a really bad year. So I think what had happened is it just made me look really bad as a person. And I think that that's why they maybe ultimately decided to move on to a new Miss Supercross. I didn't leave Feld. I actually went to Arena Cross and I was the um, TV announcer there. But then after that, I was, um, the two days after Arena Cross season wrapped up, I was, I found out I was pregnant with Hunter. So I actually was on my own anyways. I, um, you know, moved up to Washington, back to Washington, and I was managing my bars and doing all that stuff. So um, it wasn't like a, a thing where we actually talked about it or anything like that. It was just that 
they never called me to renew for another year, and I never called them because I was pregnant. So that's how it basically ended. But I'm, I'm, you know, we're all good there. You know, I, I have spoken to them many times over the last couple of years and, and whatnot. So um, maybe something will happen in the future. We never know. Well, we, uh, we, we would love to have you back. Obviously, like I said, you're for, for at least for me, you're, you're always going to be Miss Supercross. I, Juliana is awesome. I got to meet her last year, but you're, you're always going to be the, the, the one and only in my opinion. You're so nice. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I hear that. I hear that quite a bit. So thank you guys very much for your love and support. It's so nice to you. And yeah, it's, uh, it was a really amazing run. Definitely. Well, Diana, thank you for taking some time tonight to come on the show. It was really cool getting to, to talk to you for the first time. And um, hopefully, we'll maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yes, of course. No problem, guys. Thank you guys so much. All right, Diana. You have a good night and uh, good luck with Salty Honey and everything else you got going on. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. All right. See you. See ya. All right. The one and only Miss Supercross, Diana Dahlgren. Yeah, I'm not. You know, is Juliana? Is she still? Is she considered? No, they the they Miss did a, 2018. Even sh- there was no Miss Supercross. They did away with the title, um, and she's basically just a like a. She's considered a, a pit reporter, a floor reporter, and then I don't know if they're doing that this year or not because none of that's been announced yet. I wonder if they did that because maybe more young kids are starting to go now, and maybe the Miss Supercross showed a little too much skin for the i don't know i never heard a reason with the way everybody's so politically correct now there's no telling what the reasoning is yeah it's i don't know it's it's kind of a it's kind of weird you know they just did it and they didn't really even talk about it yeah. it just went away it just and kind of went away people yeah. still called Juliana miss supercross but i remember her saying that she's not miss Supercross. that's gone yeah yeah that title is gone because yeah. you know i mean she didn't hold the 32nd board yeah. this year so uh, i mean it was, they just had different girls doing it but all right let's take another break and we'll be back with our next guest here very shortly All right, we are back with our next guest of the night, and he is the bad boy, Ricky Johnson, one of the all-time greats. Man, what an honor to have Mr. Rick Johnson on the phone. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me out. Uh, you know, it was great to meet you at MX Nations, and we talked a little bit, sloshing around the mud, and <laughs> yes, here we, we are. Yeah, that was, uh, for me, I keep telling, I've said it so many times on the show, such a rad event, because I've never been to one. I've never even been to Redbud, so... What an experience, and, and man, just let's get right into it. I mean, how exciting was it to be the manager of Team Puerto Rico with all with the characters and how well they did? Let's see, is excited the right word for that? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, honestly, I couldn't be more proud of all three of the guys. Kevin did a great job, Travis, I was just Travis. I mean, yep. he's just everybody's hero, and Ryan Sipes just uh, just kept just kept hammering all day long and so 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 really so very proud of him and and honestly if i had to bet i wouldn't i wouldn't think that we were going to win the the b main we talked about it and we thought well man if we could really put together some decent qualifying laps um but it really the the heavy mud suited the european riders a little bit better but uh but once again kevin kevin was awesome all the guys were awesome and and travis was great as he's dice with guys 
he could barely bend his leg, I'll be honest with you. Coming into the race, we had a plan of, of potentially him doing one or two laps in practice and, and not riding because when he sits down, when he goes into a corner, he has to take his his bad knee off, yep. even if it's not the inside leg. So it was it's pretty amazing what he did, and then he goes and pulls a backflip. <laughs> yeah, and, and I noticed it looked like his seat was exceptionally high to probably get him a little extra height with that knee. Exactly, that, that was the idea, but we were we were prepared. Uh, Todd Jacobs is, is Travis's trainer, and because if that thing would have popped, that hematoma inside his leg, and I'm not trying to be dramatic, he could have bled out. Oh, wow. So, so we we were ready with tourniquets and any air support or anything that we might have needed, and, and, and you know, we just thank God that, that nothing like that happened, and all the guys walked away. Yeah. Well, they were tired. I know they were tired, but they all walked away. We all had a couple of cocktails in the tent afterwards. Yep. And and once again, it was a hundred percent a victory for for what we were looking to do. Oh, I agree. You know, I mean, honestly, probably the biggest pop of the weekend was Kevin almost getting a whole shot. And you know, man, what that that first couple laps of the B main was unreal. I was standing up in our tower, pretty close to you, and it was the crowd was insane. Yeah, and what's great is, is K-Dub, you know, he's, he's, he's supersized now. Yeah. He's got that huge beard and stuff like that, but the competitor is still there because, you know, after the race, because we're going back and forth, you know, when you and I are up there talking, watching, and first Portugal was right there, and yep. then they weren't, and then it was Japan, and then they weren't, and, and I was like, ah, I was going crazy. And, um, and, and, and K-Dub said, well... I was ready. I was ready to get wide. <laughs> I said, take him out. They're coming at me. So so the competitive side and the juices were definitely flowing for, for all of the guys. And Sipes, Sipes just crushed it, man. He, yes, he, he did. was just railing. So it, it was, like I said, I, I keep I keep being redundant here, but, I, I you know, I'm, I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of everybody. Definitely. And how about, yeah, I didn't get to go to the, uh, the Legends dinner Friday night. How was that for you, getting to sit with some of the fans and people paying, you know, a, a fair amount of money to, you know, do a good charity and, uh, you know, get to interact with your fans for that amount of time and, and all the other legends. Well, and then that was a great thing. And, and, and hats off to, to, uh, to Jeff Stan who, mm-hmm. who put the whole thing together. Um, you know, they have such family, they, they did a lot too for it, but, but Jeff was just, he was the one pushing to get everybody there and, 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 uh, to have that many champions and have that many past American champions there, I don't think we'll ever see it again. Um, it was just everything, everybody from Brad Lackey to, you know, just all the way down the line. And, and I got to get up there and talk with, with the dogger, with Lachine and, um, and all of that stuff because, yeah, you know, some of the guys were enemies back in the day. Yeah. We have nothing but respect for each other now. And we go to Day of the Dirt. Wardy's always over there helping me with my camper because he's a little more experienced. And, <laughs> Ronnie and I are, are, you know, talking and having fun and, you know, uh, having a good time. So all that stuff, all you know, all that childish, you know, I'm better than you and flexing my muscles is, is gone. And we're just now, it was great to hang out with everybody. And also the fans. It was, you know, I had some people at my table that that were just, you know, they were they're great. They wanted to talk about stuff. And, and that's the thing is I'll oblige anybody, you know. Yeah. If they want to talk, great. If they want to just hang out. Great. I don't. You know, I'm. I'm not. As I say, I'm not embarrassed or overly proud of who I am. I just. I'm just a guy that used to ride bikes. Well, absolutely. And one of our good friends. Um, he was supposed to be at your table. His name is Hal Simpson, and he had some family things come up and could not make it. 
Um, so he, he sent me a question that he want, he's a, you know, ex Marine. He's, he's a hardcore dude. And he wanted me to ask you about, um, the contract tactical driving training you've done for, uh, I think Marsoc. Yeah, well, I've done, I've done, I've done some stuff with Marsoc. I've done a lot of stuff with the other special ops community, which they, they say, <clears throat> you can't say who they are, mm-hmm. that you, but you can just, you can use the word special ops community or special forces. And so, uh, we do the, what they call OTC, the operator training course for those guys. We do what they call unit training, where the different guys will want to come and do everything from ride motorcycles, ride quads, jeeps, off-road cars, um, uh, tactical driving when it comes to learning pits and things like that. So we do quite a variety. And, and That's cool. My, my partner is Jeff Benrood, who is a retired <clears throat> special ops guy, and, and he's actually the, the defending champion. He's not racing this year, but he won the, the Ironman in the Baja 1000 last year. So Wow. Uh, I joke and say that his his arms are too short, his legs are too short, he's too short, but he but he's got the right physical makeup to to be an Ironman, and that's why he crushed everybody last year because he just there is no quit in him. And same thing, you know, you always picture these special ops guys to be all this stuff, and his nickname is Stump because he's exactly that, a little short, squatty, but he is one hundred percent badass. Yeah, they are, they are. How's the same way? You'd see how. I, and I, I, you know, you've probably met Hal before. He's at a lot of the races. He's a really nice guy, but he's a badass. But you would never, you would never know it. Well, and that's the same thing. One of the one of the biggest badasses, probably one of the sweetest gentlemen you ever meet, is Travis Pastrana. Yeah, true. that guy. That guy is just stud through and through. But he just got that oh gosh, golly, looks like Woody <laughs> from Boy Story, big smile on his face, but. But man, can that guy put up with some pain? Yep. And just when he gets, when he gets, he's very much like I, I noticed a lot of the championship riders and stuff are very much like the special ops guys. When when they when they when the when they turn their switch to go, you know, you're not turning it off. They're they're going to do it. So it's 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 an honor for me to help the the special ops community with something that I that I got to grow up and get paid to do when I was a kid. That's cool. Uh, one of the big things that y'all advertised for the team Puerto Rico was uh, help say uh, help raise money for the people of Puerto Rico after that devastating hurricane. Uh, did you and the team reach the goal that y'all wanted to to meet for the country of Puerto Rico? Well, I, yes and no. I mean, we we did pretty pretty good. I mean, that I'm gonna I'm gonna round round it about two hundred grand that we raised, mm-hmm. I, I, and that's a total spitball because we have to go into, you know, there was certain expenses that we needed to do to get people to the races. Nobody was getting paid. Nobody, you know, like, like I didn't I didn't get a, a contract to go, or neither did Travis or anybody else. Everybody donated their time and all their stuff and, and everything that they, they could. <clears throat> so um, would we want to make more? Yeah. The guy that bought Kevin's bike, on eBay backed out of it. So we're mm. only getting half of what we, what we were going to get for that, which kind of sucks. Um, because the, and that's why we were talking that it should have just been a live auction or a raffle at the race. Yeah. You know? And I think that probably would have been better, but I mean, we were shooting from the hip on this whole thing. I mean, and, and I got to give credit where credit is due. This was Ronnie Mack's idea. Um, but some things happened, and he wasn't able to race. And so the dynamics of the movie and all the different stuff changed, and, and K-Dub stepped up super huge, which I think in the end of the day was great for, for Team Puerto Rico and also great for Kevin. But um, the, the, 
the platform changed about every other day. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Well, I mean, it it had so much hype, though, and it was a great idea. And w- with Ronnie Mack on the team, it would have been a great idea. But then bringing, you know, K-Dub was an amazing uh, addition, fill-in, and it worked out really well. And I think, honestly, for a lot of us as fans, Team Puerto Rico was why we were most excited about going. Well, I was over, my wife and I were over in England for the vintage, Dave King's Vintage Motocross Nations, and had a bunch of guys over there, Doug Dubach, John Dowd, um, Ivan Tedesco, um, Todd DeHoop, I'm trying to think of who else is there. But anyway, so they won that, America yeah. <laughs> won that, England's been dominating that, so we were over there. And everybody was going nuts. They wanted to see two things. They wanted to see Hurlings and Tomac go at it, and they wanted to party with Team Puerto Rico. <laughs> and, and so um, we didn't get to see the first part, but a lot of people came by the tent, and then they got to do the second part. But, uh, yeah, it was – I wanted to bring back some personality. You know, the guys – everybody's afraid to offend somebody and afraid to do this, do that. Not that you have to be professional wrestling, but – you know what? Show, put your heart on your sleeve. If I want to whip your ass, I'm going to say I want to whip your ass. That's what I, I loved and hated it about Damon Bradshaw. Yep. That he'd sit on the starting line. I'll never forget we were at Pontiac after my broken wrist, so he was kicking my ass anyways, but it really pissed me off. He's like, I'm Damon Bradshaw, and I'm here to kick kick some ass. You know? And I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah. So, yeah but... you know, so immediately it comes to me, and I'm like, I got some ass for you to kick, but let's do this, you know. But then he smoked me. But anyway, <laughs> I just I want to see some personality. Definitely. And our, guys, our guys had it 100%. Yeah, I think there's a few guys coming up that have personalities. You got guys like Adam C. and Cirillo. Now, they're, they're, his is not an aggressive personality, but he is a personality that the fans really love. And you've got guys like Cooper Webb, who, you know, and Barsha, who have some aggressive tendencies. And I, I definitely think the sport needs guys like um, Ken Roxon. And, and talking to a lot of the co- kids coming up, man, the Ryder D. Francisco's and, um, you know, the, that, that younger generation, I think we're going to have some of that. Well, it kind of goes, goes back and forth. They, that, uh, you know, you had my generation that was the one before me that was pretty quite different. You know, I look up to guys like Jimmy Weiner and Bob Hanna, and Brock mm-hmm. Love, Mike Bell, um, you know, Jimmy Ellis, uh, the list goes on and on. And, and so the thing was is that I had to pick I had to pick out what I wanted from each guy because, like, Mike Bell would break your legs, but then he was a really sweet guy. <laughs> Bob Hanna, Bob Hanna was this mega aggressive guy and, and would, would point at you and, and was flamboyant. And then you had Jimmy Weiner who, which, who sat in a a damn pyramid, you know, literally before the LA Coliseum had pyramid power because he sat the pyramid and he ran a paddle tire and he would <laughs> go in front of the gate and point at guys and go, you know, hey, how's how's your girlfriend doing, you know? It's like crazy. <laughs> Mind crazy games. Stuff. Exactly. Then you have Marty Tribes who was just the most talented but didn't train. And so then you had my generation that was a bunch of hammerheads <laughs> and, and that – so I'm like trying, I just try to pick out what I like from each guy. I want to have the tenacity of Bell. I mean, I want to have the tenacity of, of Hannah. I want to have the, you know, the, the, the style off the track like Brock Glover because he, I mean, he, was, he was a good-looking guy. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be good-looking like him, but he had great cars and just he did everything right, trained and did yeah. all the I wanted to have that 
when I needed to be quiet like Bell, but I also wanted that flamboyance of Weinert. And, and then all of a sudden comes the 90s where, and I've, I've had a lot of these guys blame me for it. They're like, well, we, we partied and stuff because you, you were a partier. You didn't train. I'm like, I trained my ass off. I just, I didn't run around in spandex and, and, and brag about doing triathletes. I would, I would rather show a picture of me surfing or wearing, you know, wearing club clothes. But trust me, I was as serious as could be. Right. And, and then, and then, so it, it goes in waves. But honestly, I think right now a lot of the guys are overtrained. They they don't know what they're doing. There's a lot of trainers out there that are just beating the shit out of people, and they think, well, wow, he's a great trainer because look, I'm throwing up and this and that. <laughs> right, they right. Really, they really don't know. And there's so much technology with between uh, the you know the low carb, high protein diets, and all the different stuff. There's so many things out there that that these guys aren't doing, and I'm not saying that's the way. But what I'm what I am saying is though that, is that there's a lot of trainers out there that that I don't feel that these kids are overworked. Yeah, yeah it's you hear listening to some of them. You know, like a few years ago, Alex Martin and uh, you know working with some of those guys. Yeah, I think they are doing too much and they're not getting their bodies enough enough rest. You know, maybe for some of these guys it works fine. The you know the Alden Baker style program, but some of the guys it just doesn't. I think you got to know your own body and probably. You'd probably try a few different programs and figure out what works for you instead of just believing all the hype on one program in particular. Well, yeah, and and, uh, and, and no offense to Alden. I yeah. Mean, now that's the, that's the guy who's got success sure. over and over and over again. But you have to be a special human to train with Alden. Sounds you like know, it. Um, uh, you know, I don't think I could. be honest with you, now, David Bailey, Johnny O'Mara, Jeff Ward, they would have gotten along great with him. Now, me... I would have said, like, you know what? I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I want to go surf today. I want to go refresh my mind because I, I had this, like, David Bailey and I talked about this. Is like, how come you could be sick one week, like have the flu, not ride a bike, not run, sit at home completely under the covers, you know, feeling like dog shit, and then all of a sudden when the fever breaks, you get to the race and you have the race of your life because your emotion is there, everything is there. So I think there's a lot more to this game than just being a hammerhead. And I look at these kids, they're too skinny, they don't have enough muscle on them, and they hit the ground, they're injured, you know. And you look at, man, I hate to say it, but look at Hurlings, man. That's a bad son of a bitch, man. Sure. That guy, that guy is tough and fast. He hits the deck, he gets up, he keeps going, and he's got he's got the right mind, body, and soul for this right now. I totally agree. Uh, do you think in uh, coming years or next year we could see you and Team Puerto Rico at Assen or maybe in other designations? Well, I've talked with uh, Gabriel Catala about it because I would like to build it, build Team Puerto Rico into something different because it's kind of been the Bad News Bears and the Hey Kiss My Ass Team America team for a while. Um, you know, because guys that aren't getting picked, they go there and then they want to prove a point and this and that. So what I've always wanted, to, what I've what I've talked about doing and want to do, but we got to get the support to do it, is have one uh, Puerto Rican national kid and, and let's help him. Let's you know get him to California in the winter and have him do the Supercross West and then do the nationals and do this and, and build and build uh, you know build somebody from from there. And then take two, you know, two other young guys. Whether it be, uh, I talked to uh, Ziggy and Jeff from, from Geico. Maybe it's one from there. Maybe it's one from Troy Lee. Maybe it's one from Pro Circuit. Or two younger, younger kids 
and that they were grooming him for Team America eventually, but they also can get a get a taste of European racing and all the different stuff. And then for me, my plan is is that now I have because if a, if Geico sends a rider, Honda's going to support it. If Mitch Payton sends a rider, Kawasaki's going to send support. Yeah. Star West, the Star Star Racing says one. Yamaha's going to support it. If Troy Lee sends it, KTM. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. I, I have my method to my madness, but the idea is to get these guys experience before all of a sudden they get a call and they've never raced to nations. And so the idea is for them to go there, enjoy the experience, race, have a great time, and then learn. Because I didn't get to learn. I went there in '84, cold turkey, and I was like, God, oh, we're just going to kick these guys' ass and holy shit, were these Europeans fast as sand. Yeah, that, I, I like that. I think that's a really good uh, plan. I think having a, a Puerto Rican on the team is, I, I think that's a great idea. I mean, I, I feel like that probably, it should, it should be a big focus for sure. Absolutely. And and, and because we, and that's the thing is that, you know, I, I hate to sound, because trust me, I dropped out of high school and I'm not the sharpest tool in the show when it comes to the shit, but but I did a little history lesson on what was going on and how Puerto Rican became an American state. And America took it from the Spanish. They turned it from from uh, coffee into sugarcane. And then they let them sit until World War One, And they needed people to fight down in Panama. So they, they called them indigenous because because they were dark-skinned. And they said, well, they, they were immune to the different... Or no, they called emus because they were they were immune to the diseases down there, so they had them fight down in Panama, and then that's how they got their green cards, is because they had to fight. So America really has screwed over. <laughs> right. So why not try to help? And that's what, you know... 100%. We're, we're a needle in the haystack here, but you know what? 1% is 1%, 1% adds 2%, and so on and so on. You know, and so, so that's where... Um, and ironically, I have some, some close friends... Um, John Fritz-Sergosa, who, who his uncle, he introduced me, he was a racer, introduced me to his uncle, who did 90% of the surgery on my wrist. He's, he's Puerto Rican, too. So I have uh, <laughs> some Puerto Rican friends and heritage in my line. So, yes, as much as I can, I'm all about Puerto Rico. Awesome. Well, hey, let's go back in your career a little bit. So, I mean, look, 1982, you, you lose a championship after breaking a wheel. 83, you hurt, you break your hip. Um, 84 though, you come out on a production bike and win a championship. And then actually after that, I mean, it's just like one championship after another, you know, I mean, 500 championships, 250 championships, uh, supercross, motocross, pretty amazing career. I mean, would you have thought as a kid, you know, before you went pro that you would have had the career that you had? I mean, were you that confident in yourself? Well, I was always the youngest guy. Like I, I grew up in El Cajon, man. I there was Marty Smith, Brock Glover, Marty Motes, Marty Tripes, Mike Tripes, uh, Tommy Croft. I mean, there, there's, there's, I think five or six of the top twenty national guys. Right. You know. So, so, so in San Diego, racing was like in the in the blood. You had Brown Oaks, you had Carlsbad, you had South Bay Speedway, you had all these different places, and then I was around these guys all the time, and so. So I, I I got off on 80 because we didn't have that much money growing up, and I couldn't afford to do the NMA circuit or Ponca City was the big that wasn't Ponca City yet, and they didn't have Loretta Lynn's yet. But anyways, so Brock let me borrow one of his practice bikes. I was uh, 12 years old, and he was 16, 
where he got a factory Yamaha ride, and I went and rode it, and I had a blast. I couldn't touch it. I had to use two milk crates. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, can I race? And he's like, sure. So I did it, and he's like, well, I'm like, this is a blast. And Brock's like, well, i got to get my bike back. <laughs> I can't give it to you. And so my dad said, well, you either got to ride 80s or that. And so I'm like, sell the 80s. I'll go do this. Wow. I went from junior to pro in three months and because I was racing all the time. And then I, I just... I, I raced against, in the off-season, I would line up against Brock and Barnett and Brian Myerscoff and uh, uh, Taylor and, I mean, Gary Dent. I mean, just the list goes on and on of just the guys that I had to race all the time. So I always thought, you know what, man, if I'm racing with these guys at this age, when I get that, when I get older, I'm, I'm going to kick everyone's ass. So <laughs> I, I, had, I had the arrogance... You know, and this is what I told some people from, from Great Britain is that I grew up in America. You know, I, I totally grew up believing I could be anything I wanted and if I if I worked hard enough. And so, so I thought I could do it until 1981 where I was racing. I got rookie of the year in, in the 125 Nationals. And I'll never forget this. This is one of the most humbling moments in my life is that it was, we're in Lake Whitney and I got second, the second moto. And, and it was so hot and so humid. I could still smell the, the fire and the people smoking weed in the back <laughs> backwoods. You know, it just killing me every lap to go through there. And then after the race, I, I threw my bike into into the tech inspection because I got second. I'm ripping my gear up. I grabbed somebody's Coke, like a full Coke, you know, like a 32-ouncer, dumped it over my head. I didn't give a shit if it was sticky or not. I was right. just, I was playing hot. I look over, and here's Mark Barnett still has his Jofa on, and he put his goggles on top of his helmet, and he's walking back to his pit. And I, and I thought, I'm never going to be that tough. Oh, I, wow. As tired, I mean, he was gone. I mean, he kicked our asses so bad. But I thought, I'm never going to be that tough. And, it, and, and so through 82 and 83, and then, and then 84 is when I realized, yeah, I can be that tough. Yeah. But. Let me tell you, it's a scary. It's a scary feeling when you're a boy and you step in the ring with a man. Lately, and, and the bomber was just brutal, brutal fast. Forty-five minutes, wide open. But that lesson probably that that lesson shaped who you became. Though I mean, that's a like you you remember that moment, and obviously it it meant something to you, and then you you became you became that guy. Well, hundred percent. I like right now. I mean, I'm I'm fifty four years old. I still got goosebumps in my on my arm because I can remember. <laughs> what I felt like, my yeah. feet were on fire, my head was on fire, and I'm thinking, there's no way a human can withstand this kind of heat. But, you know, he was just pounding out motos yep. in, in, in Illinois in the, in the humidity and all the different stuff. So I, I learned how, how to train, and, and guys like Jeff Spencer and different people that work with me that, ha- that helped, me, helped teach me, you know, how to be the guy. Right. Well, I'll tell you, we're, we're two hours east of Dallas. So we, we know that humidity we've been, or I used to race at Whitney a little bit and it is brutal. It's tough. I mean, I'm 43 and I never was even remotely close to being a pro rider, but it's still, you get out there and it just sucks the life out of you. So at your level, at those type of motos, at, at that intensity, you all were some bad dudes. Well, yeah, you had you had to learn to embrace the beating, and yeah. and there's a there's for the young guys that listen to this is that there's a feeling that you have, and this is what I what I experienced is that I'm like I'm so tired. How is he not getting tired? <laughs> I'm 
so I'm going to die. How is he not getting tired? I'm going to, I can't, I can't go another lap. How does he keep going? To all of a sudden it flips to where you still have the same thing. I'm friggin' tired. This guy's going to give up any second. I'm really hurting. He's going to give up any second. And then he gives up. And so that's the thing is that it's just, it's, it's that don't, don't look for that. At the start of the race, don't look for the halfway point. Yeah. When the halfway point comes, don't look for the white flag. Just kick ass until you die. And, <laughs> and one of the things that Ricky Carmichael said that I respected so much is because David Villeman had his ass whipped in Supercross. Yeah. Outstyled him, out techniqued him, out everything. And we were in, I think we were in uh, Indianapolis. And Villeman's out in front, and Carmichael's just riding his balls off. And after the race, I, Carmichael, I was I was doing some stuff for schools, signing autographs, whatever bullshit at the time. I said, man, that was impressive. He goes, I was going to hit the wall. I didn't give a shit. I wasn't going to give up. So what he was saying is, I'm willing to die. Yeah. And Dave Villeman was like, I'm not going to die. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, that sounds exactly like something Villeman would say. But I'll tell you what, that quote you just said a minute ago, kick ass till you die, I think that's my next tattoo. That was... That was an awesome quote. I love that story you just told. That's the high. I mean, look, we had McGrath on earlier tonight, and, and that was pretty exciting for us. But that quote, that story you just told me, man, made my night. Well, that's the thing is that if you want to be a professional racer, it's not about chicks and, and magazine covers and this and that. It's about embracing pain. Yeah. Because I'll be honest with you, I have never been in more pain than – ever in my life than in the middle of a race with somebody like David Bailey or Jeff Ward or Brock Lever or, or, you know, the list goes on and on machine. And, and that where I'm just, I'm like, this really needs to end, but you have to just switch your mind and just go, all right, I submit to death. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to push a hundred percent until I can't, if they, if I die, I die. Then the checker flag comes and you're like, thank God. <laughs> right. But it's, you, you shock yourself on what you can do. But for the young guys that are listening, it's going to hurt no matter what. When I was at the best, when I could, when I was, when I knew that I was the best guy in the world, it still hurt. It still hurts, uh, uh, hurlings. It still yep. hurts Eli Tomac. But they are so comfortable with the pain that that it's you know you you just you you learn to adapt to it and deal with it and not and not freak out. That's awesome. So hey, Rick, before we let you go, I, I got one more little thing I want to ask you, and um, it's really about the state of the sport now versus when you were racing. Look, the kids are at, at young ages are going to training facilities. Uh, you know, we have all this technology, whether it be Lit Pro. Uh, traction control, you know, maps, um, you got social media, you have all these things that are involved that seem to be part of the sport now. Um, if you were, you know, 16, 17 years old now, do you think you would enjoy the process and the sport as much as you did in your day? Oh, well, <laughs> let's back up. Okay. Now, with all of that, all right. Now, how old are you? I'm 43. All right, you're 43. So, are you married? Uh, divorced, but uh, but I've been All right. there. All right, divorced. So now, there's this device called Tinder for these young kids. <laughs> yes, it's there a is. A whole different ball game, man. It's like you just 
<laughs> you just scroll through. I mean, I, what happened to you? you? Had to meet somebody. You had to talk to them. You had to be the most. You had to be the alpha male in the group, right? You had to talk to them. You had to. You, you had know, to be the bad boy. Stuff. You had to be exactly, and you're surrounded by a bunch of bad bad men. So, so it's, it's a different time, and, and they they appreciate different things. So, what I enjoy the process. Yes, but honestly, I don't like it because it, it's too much outward. It needs to more, be more inward. But if you look at guys like Carmichael and Dungey and Villapoto and this and that, they just they got rid of the bullshit and they and they, they they stuck to racing and 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 that. Um, what I don't like is that there's a whole lot of unqualified people teaching people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I go to the tracks. I live right in Southern California, and I watch these guys that are. Charging people to teach them, and then these some bitches don't know how to. I'm like, you, you, you might as well pay me to teach you how to fly an airplane. I've never <laughs> flown an airplane, but I bet, but I can bullshit my way around it better. Right. Than and so you, 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 people, if you're gonna t- send your kid to somebody, what are they doing? Is it just is it a parent that rate that had a good kid, and then they're just beating the shit out? They're just yelling at your kid to go faster, faster, faster. <laughs> Or are they teaching them technique? Are they doing different things? Are they, I mean, Elder's, Elder's the man. I'm not taking nothing from him. You know what I mean? And there's some other guys out there. We don't need to go into the depth of it, but <clears throat> there's other guys that are very good. And there's good riding instructors as well. But there's a lot of stuff out there that people are just, they're just throwing, they're throwing it, they're throwing their kids at it. If you want to be good, find competition, find a way to beat them. That's one thing that my dad said when I was a kid is that, why am I going to go travel around the nation and look for the fastest guys around the world if you can't? If you're not the fastest guy in your own backyard, I'm like, but Dad, I live in Southern California. Everybody's here. He's like, yeah. well, when you can beat them, then I'll pay to go somewhere else. So I, I've always admired my dad for that because he had me race a lot. You know, didn't have me overcoached. You know, uh, Gary Bailey helped me some help help me with some stuff. A guy named Murray Hoffman helped me with a kid. Brock Glover, I he didn't help me as much as I just stole from him, you know, and a lot of guys, I just would watch them instill their techniques. So I, um, but to answer your question, I, I liked my generation. Yeah. It was, it was cool. It was, it was, it was, it was a little loop more loose. Now it's crazy. I mean, you can't get on the tracks. I mean, shit, I have pictures of my, my friends snuck on the damn supercross track <laughs> in San Diego and took pictures of me during the main event. Right. It would be jail right now. But let me ask you guys a question. Okay. And I know I've dominated this. No, no. What do you, what do you think about Cincerello moving to, or not since uh, yeah, Cincerello. No, not Cincerello. Um Savachi pointing Eli Tomac to win a million bucks. What's your thoughts on that? Okay, so we we actually had Joey on uh I think last week and, and talked about this and honestly in that situation in that particular event because it wasn't for points I I, I kind of I was okay with it. Um Did he get 200 grand? What's that? Did he get two hundred grand from Eli? He did not say. He didn't. We, that's I, bullshit. If he did not get two hundred grand, then he should have said, "Screw you, monster! I want hundred fifty grand because I right. stopped him from taking a million. Yeah, he he said that. You know, he, I kind of asked him. You know, what was your thought process? Did you this, was this something you discussed? Uh, you know, before the race, and he said, "No, absolutely not." He said, "I saw it. You know, it was coming." And he said, man, I'm new on the team. And he said, I just imagine how rough that truck would be, that rig would be if I didn't let him win. And he said, you know, he thought he kind of, he didn't really think where he was. He wasn't thinking about the cameras that everybody would see him waving by. He was just going to kind of slow down and let him go. 
and it turned into a big deal. But I don't know, man. You know, I'm not a professional racer, so obviously when I race, I want to win. But as a fan, I thought it was so damn cool for the the fan that won the million, to be honest. And that may be lame, but I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, To me... It was, it was, it was like get kicked in the stomach. Like right now, when I talk about it, I'm sick to my stomach. I'm <laughs> right. an Eli Tomac fan. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that kid. I work. I, I'm. A, I was a John Tomac fan when I was racing. He was a badass on a bicycle, went road bike ride racing, and kicked everyone's ass. And just, and I love his mom. I mean, love the whole package. But I was like, no, you just got your ass kicked in the nation, and now you got pointed by it. No. That's true. You know, I, I didn't that really. Is, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Bullshit. Take the, take the $250,000 for winning it, and let Savashi say, I won a main event. If he could have. Now, there's no saying that Eli wouldn't have caught him and passed him. Yeah. But. It, I just, I, the general consensus seems to be that Joey had that race won, and I'm like, I don't think so. Eli was coming fast, and he, if he had the inside and jumped into the sand like he had been, I, I don't, I, I don't know for sure that Joey had that race wrapped up. Well, so here we go. Same location, two different scenarios. Now, this is something you guys could talk about without me on the phone. <laughs> Joey Savacci going for a championship gets his ass cleaned by, by, by Zach Osborne. Yep. Joyce Savacci going to win the race. Let's the King of Supercross buy. What's worse? Yeah, um, I, I, I guess. I, and, I, and I know Joyce Savacci too. Sure. I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. The kid's fast, but dude, just you just you know on those two on those two scenarios, race as hard as you can and let the cards fall where they may. It's a hundred. It's a million dollars. Run what you brung. Whatever. If if you beat me. You know, whatever, and, and I hope, I hope, in, the, in my heart of hearts, that Eli slid him a check for two hundred. <laughs> I do too. I, I really, because that would, that would have been that, that's still eight hundred thousand dollars. Right, right. A lot more than what he would have won if, if Savage would have won. So we'll never know that. And you know what? If Eli hears this, he'll just say, "Screw you, RJ. You don't know. <laughs> you, you have no idea what I did." And I'll be like, "Props, bro. Because guess what? I didn't win a million bucks when I raced." Right, right. <laughs> Well, it's it's going to be something we talk about probably for a year until the next Monster Energy Cup, anyway. And it was it was interesting. I was very surprised by it, and um, you know, and I, I Joey had his reasons, and he stood by him. And I, I just hope yeah. jo- I hope Joey comes out in Supercross and, and is as as competitive as he was at that race. Well, I mean, he was flying. Yes, he, he was. was. All ass. And here's and here's my thought on on that that whole Monster Cup. Put everybody on two fifties. Hell yeah. You know, and here's the other thing. Why do we have start devices? Why? I don't know. Why? You know, Mathis complains about that all the time, too. It takes all the technique out. You're taking, you know, all that stuff. You're taking the technique and the skill out of it. Well, and then guess, get, look at this. You're taking probably 10 to 15 mile an hour out of, out of guys coming into the first turn. Yeah. Oh hey, what a what a concept! If everybody has it, take it all away, and now you have to have you have to be a little smoother off the gate, and then it slows down the first turn, which no one's going to know the difference. Get rid of them. I like it. I'm 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 fine with that. Like I wish I wish it was possible to go back to all two strokes and where where it did take more skill, but you know, unfortunately, it's just going to probably we're going to get more and more technology. That's just the way things go. Right, but I would love to see in in, in the end of the, at the end of the day, I would love to see it uh, maybe a two fifty two stroke be the the current lights program. Yeah, 
in the 254 stroke be the Supercross platform because there's a reason why we didn't race 500s back in the day because they're just too fast. And the same thing is that you know they need to they need to work on on some some tracks, work on 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 entry berms and narrowing up the entry and work on the exits so we're not just getting T-bones and yep. You know, but what do I know? They don't <laughs> well, I think you know a lot, and your opinion is very valid. So, <laughs> but hey, Rick, thank you so much for coming on tonight. It again, I mean, it was really cool getting to meet you and, and have you on the show. And hopefully, in the near future, we can have you on again. One, maybe once Supercross starts, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Anytime you guys get out to West Coast, we'll do it from from my house right here. I live uh, right right <clears throat> right up above Lake Elsinore. Nice. And and. Uh, so you come out to Supercross, come on over, have a little barbecue, and <laughs> we'll tell each we'll, we'll talk about how bitchy we are. Sounds good, Rick. Thanks so much, man. All right, man. Thanks right. for having me. All right. You have a good night. Thank you. Well, holy shit. We're going to RJ's house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, first day back. And, Damn. Uh, we're going to RJ's, huh? That was pretty awesome. So what'd you think, man? Because like I said, you told me he's a little before your time. Yeah. A lot before my yeah. time. But, uh, but, you know, my, my stepdad, he kind of grew up in that era too watching him so sure hearing stories about him and my grandpa he watched when he was younger and he's in his 60s and so uh to hear the stories of of him when he raced and then to now talk to him even though i didn't watch him yeah it was still pretty cool um and i thought he was besides mc of course he was probably one of the best interviews so Definitely, far. yeah. He was excited. I was excited, man. It's great. But yeah. we're gonna take another quick break, and we'll uh, be back with Cooper Webb. All right, boys. We are back once again with Factory KTM's Cooper Webb. Cooper, good to talk to you again. Uh, how you doing tonight? Doing good, man. All good on my end. Yeah, so uh, you've been out practicing, getting ready for Supercross. I'm assuming training. Yep, yep. We uh, I've been in Florida for the past few weeks, and then uh, yeah, the the team Red Bull Factory KTM actually came to Florida this week. They got here uh, on Sunday night, and so we've been testing uh, the last two days, and we'll have our final day of testing tomorrow. So yeah, we've been pretty wide open here in Florida, um, out at, at the Baker's factory doing a lot of testing and riding and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure most of our listeners heard you on pulp last week, but you know, you've, you've been out there for a couple weeks. You say, what's the thing that, is there one thing that has really surprised you about working with Alden that maybe you just weren't, weren't ready for, or it's just very different or is it pretty much what you expected? Uh, you know, it, you kind of have something built up in your head of, of what it's going to be. Uh, but for me, it's, it's actually been better than I expected. You know, I think, uh, you know, the working hard is, is the number one thing that's for sure. You know, and I, and I've learned, learned that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's not one thing I'd say just overall, you know, it's, it's a really great program and the way he works with Red Bull KTM and, you know, how, how he works personally with each and every rider to, you know, work on what they need, uh, opposed to, you know, us all just kind of doing the same thing. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's been awesome so far. And, you know, for me, it was, uh, you know, part of the program, but it was also a big change to come to Florida and, 
you know, be a part of all that. So, yeah, so far Absolutely. it's been really good, and I'm excited I did it. That's for sure. Awesome. So in your previous program, you know, training and all that, um, and then you go to Alton Baker, how big of a change was it for you training with Seth and then now Alden? Has that been a struggle for you, or has it kind of been, oh, I was uh, I was ready for this and I'm – and I can yeah, I mean it's it's different for sure. You know, we I felt like I had a lot of structure um, in the past, and you know we worked we worked hard. But it's uh, with this program, it's it's just a lot different. You know, it's, it's it's so much science behind it, and you know, such a proven theory, and you know, just the everything behind it. I mean, just the the, the amount of sleep you're getting, to the you know the food you're eating, um, right everything so uh it's, it's been really good so far you know i i expected it to be you know that's for sure i knew it wasn't gonna be easy and uh you know we started what what he called boot camp last week so you know that's definitely been tough and um but you know i know it'll it'll all be worth it come january yeah for sure you know when i see the things that you guys do to yourselves for training and your your meal programs like that's where i'm out there's no way man i've got to have a steak and i've got to have ice cream and you know mac and cheese and yeah i just like i could never i could never be a championship motocross rider just couldn't do it (laughs) yeah it's funny you know i um i uh, grew up in the south i'm kind of the same way i'm used to you know fried food and barbecue and all that kind of stuff so that for me is is one of the really hard parts, and you know the last few years I've really been um, monitoring that and, <laughs> and watching that, you know, a lot more than maybe I did in the the two fifty days or early right. days as a rookie and all that, you know. Yeah, my my monitoring monitoring my food con- uh, intake is: should I have two bowls of ice cream tonight or just one? <laughs> so I, I, you know, when the bluebell's in the in the freezer, it's it's time to eat. Yeah. So, right. So, hey, I wanted to kind of talk about something a little different tonight. Um, like your your media persona, your your the way fans see you, um, is that something you work on? Is you know, look, when you were on two fifties, there's times when you were very outspoken, you were aggressive, uh, maybe even a little cocky, which I think is awesome. I think the sport needs that. But is that is that just who you are or was that a little bit of, I'm going to be this way to intimidate my opponents? Man, I mean, it's hard to say. I I felt like, um, you know, I never, I've never put on an act or anything like that. I mean, I felt like that was, you know, who I was. And, you know, I think, you know, for me, the aggression's still there. The, you know, a little bit of outspoken, like you said, I think is there. But, you know, I'd say, if anything, I've definitely matured a little bit. And, and you know, as when I was, I mean, I'm only 22 now, but, you know, for me, I can tell, I feel like I've matured a lot since, you know, the 17 to mm-hmm. 19-year-old, 20-year-old years. And, you know, it wasn't long ago. But, yeah. you know, I think uh, in the 250 class, it's, we're all young and feisty and you know uh for me I, I think it helped me you know it worked as an advantage you know i think it it didn't you know maybe intimidate people or, or whatever you want to call it and then uh you know i think it is believing in your 
yourself is important for sure and yep. and whatnot. And uh, so yeah, I think for me, it's some of that's still there. I think I've I've calmed down, you know, a lot. And you know, so in the past, I there was times where I would you know look back and and regret stuff and wish you know I would have went about things a little differently. So I think now, you know, it's still it's still there and it's you know. Um, it's still me, but but I feel like I've mainly just matured and and you know kind of want to. I shouldn't say watch what I say, but you know we we have a big following. So sure, it's important to set good good morals and good be a good role model. You know, absolutely, and I think that that maturity comes with age. I mean, the older you get, the more you calm down. Yeah. Typically, most people are that way anyway. You know, but I was wondering, you know, like few years back when you know you kind of had a couple of run-ins with Bowers and do you get a lot of you know like I don't know I don't use the word hate from fans but a lot of um, just people kind of giving you shit about that and if so did that really even affect you do you take that take that and kind of say okay maybe I shouldn't have (laughs) no I mean for me I I feel like I'm pretty lucky as far as um I can care less what people think. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's one of my strong traits is not worry about being judged. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I've had a lot of run-ins with a lot of different guys, yeah. you know, on and off the track. And, you know, I've been in a lot of battles, so aggressive, non-aggressive. You know, I feel like I've done, done it all in that sense. So, yeah, I mean, you, you obviously have a lot of people that love it, and then you have a lot of people that, that don't. And, uh, but that's the thing, thing, you know, I think this day and age and the way social media is, I mean, you know, you have guys like, like Dungey who are, you know, you could argue are the best role model in the world and you still got people that don't like them or yeah, criticize for sure. them and all that. So, you know, there's, it's going to happen whether, you know, and so for me, I don't, you know, I could care less about, about that stuff. I'm, I just got out and do whatever I do. <laughs> well, I think that's the best way to handle it because you're never going to please everybody, like you say. So, no. uh, with the no. with with the new um, Supercross game coming out, are you going to be in that game like you were last year? I believe so. Um, you know, I've I've done everything that that I did last year, so you know, I'm not sure. Hopefully, somebody is. Let them know I won't be on the Yamaha. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, because yeah, I know I mean, they always uh, do it a, a year before, and um, yeah, exactly. So you'll be on a Yamaha, then I don't know how they would they would feel about that. But yeah, I'm sure they yeah. can. I don't know anything about making a game, but I yeah, bet they I could fix that without too much trouble. Yeah, I hope so. That's pretty rad, though, man. I mean, like I haven't. I'm old, so I haven't played video games in a long time. But man, they've come so far and. They're so yeah. I, I need to. I guess I need to go out and I just need to go steal my son's PlayStation. <laughs> nah, it is cool, man. It, it is, you know, for me and the generation I grew up. You know, we that's that's what I grew up on. You know, yeah. we we play outside a lot, but going to the races every weekend. That's how my dad kept me busy was playing the motorcycle games and all that. So it is cool, you know, to to see one the evolution of it all, but then also, you know. Now I'm I'm one of the guys in it, which is it's pretty sweet, you know. And I remember as a kid, you know, building your character and you know being being in the game that way. But yeah. now 
to kind of to be in there automatically is is a cool feeling and you know like you said just the evolution of it i mean the you know the new supercross game i i played it some last year and you know the tracks are the exact same ones we raced on you know the gear yep. is the exact same goggle talents you know and the detail is is wild that's for sure yeah definitely hey so i want to ask you you know I mean, you're, you're technically, I guess you're a vet now. I mean, you're, you're young, but you're a 450 rider. You're, you've been in the sport a while, but it wasn't that long ago that you were a highly touted, you know, amateur coming up. And what advice would you give to somebody like, you know, Derek Drake, who's, who's one of the next big things or a Carson Mumford, um, that might help them transition from where they are now to the, the reality of shit. I've got a, you know, this is a job now, you know, I've got, I'm expected to go in yeah i mean it's tough um you know i I feel like nowadays there's there's so much hype and pressure and build up on these amateur kids and you know i'm i I hate to say it but i look back and i'm kind of glad that i'm not in that generation (laughs) you know i think i got lucky as far as you know, I would say I always had great support from sponsors and everything, but, um, you know, as far as my my pro deal didn't really happen until, you know, my last year amateur or whatever. And so for me, I was able to, you know, go to school and do kind of normal things, hang with friends, you know, play sports and do all that, you know, when I was 14, 15, 16, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah, I think it's it's a whole other world now you know the kids shoot at 12 years old or or cycling and training and and doing all that so it's pretty crazy to me to see that you know for me i'd say just you know and it sounds cliche but just to try to keep it as fun as you can you know because you know it, it is a job but but also i feel like at the amateur you know at the amateur level even if they're getting paid or they have the ride or whatever i mean it's you're still so young and you have a a lot of years to go you know that you don't want to put so much pressure on yourself that by the time you turn pro you're you're stressed out or you're you're so you're over it or whatever the case may be and you know i think for me as a racer and as a rider i think just you know playing growing up playing different sports you know going out and doing different activities and being around different things, you know, I think helped me as a rider, yeah. even, you know, and so, yeah, so it's definitely a, a whole different day and age, that's for sure, and, you know, the the following that the people have now and stuff, it is, it is crazy, crazy, but, yeah, I think just, uh, have you know, fun. try to, try to enjoy it. That's Absolutely, sure. I think that, yeah, it's good advice, I and mean, that's what I usually, when we have them on here, tell them, man, just enjoy it, because you're, you're young, and, it's a big yeah, deal. When it's, and you feel like, you, you know, and I remember being there when you you feel like if you don't win Loretta's or you don't win Monster Cup that, you know, that's the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's so much more to, to racing and life and all that, you know. Like, I just remember putting, even back then, you know, putting a lot of pressure on myself to, try to do well at Loretta's and stuff and you know it's important to work hard and have a goal and to want to achieve it but 
you know, I just remembered some years being so bummed afterwards and stuff, but you look back and think those were, you know, at one point in your life, you thought that was the highest pressure situation you've ever been in. Right, <laughs> you, right. You turn pro and, you know, it's a whole other ball game and all that, so... You know, it's it's good to enjoy it, that's for sure. Definitely. Hey, so I know it's it's 10 o'clock there on the East Coast, and Alden probably wouldn't be happy that you're still awake. Oh, so, it's all good. So I want to ask you, I've got two more questions for you. Um, and this was a listener question, and I don't have it in front of me, but I, I, I remember it sort of. He had asked a couple of weeks ago when I uh, we were going to have you on and things didn't work out. But yeah, your dad's so. surf shop um, was having like a uh, you know fundraiser for the hurricane uh, yep. d- damage is that still going on yeah it is you know um we picked a, f- a few uh basically yeah we we had a hurricane two hurricanes hit my town that i grew up in mm-hmm. a few you know weeks back and um i just wanted to kind of find a way to get get back and you know my mom and dad still live there and you know, I wasn't there, but they were just telling me that, you know, even right now today, there's there's still people and kids that, you know, they lost it, their whole house and, you know, clothing and, yeah, food, you know, everything. So, yeah, it was cool to, you know, I kind of did that on my social media to, to try to get some stuff for those kids and uh, families. And, you know, I had said that I'd, I'd give it three jerseys away to three of the random people if they included the email. So, yeah, I mean, whatever, if people, it's still going if people want to send. And like I said, I mean, that I posted that, but I had even told my, a lot of people donated, and I was really, really shocked. So I, I even told uh, my parents, you know, I might throw in some more, you know, kind of cool stuff. Yeah. Or gear or well, whatever. So, yeah, if, if. They're out there. Keep it coming. Well, how, how do they? How would they uh, donate if they were hearing this tonight? Um, they, you know, I put a, a bunch of instruction. If if they have social media on Instagram, okay. Twitter, or my Facebook, there's a bunch of information. But basically, um, the, the address is on there. Um, Action okay. Surf Shop is the name of the the surf shop. If you know, you looked it up online, it would have the address and stuff. And Perfect. Just, um, you know, basically, I just asked for clothes or um, you, all kinds of small yeah. stuff, really. You know, yeah, pretty much towels. anything somebody would need, whether it be toothpaste yeah, or clothes. Yeah, exactly. totally. Exactly, dog food. Anything. Yeah, so, okay. You know, we, we didn't ask, we didn't want to ask for money. We just wanted sure. to ask for, you know, everyday stuff. Okay. And, um, but you know, I know just clothes in general went a long ways and, yeah. and especially with, you know, the winter time and even at new years, whatever. So, you know, I think it was, I was, I wasn't there to see, but you know, for those families, it's been tough. So yeah, if you check out my social media or perfect, go to action surf shop, you know, that'll have the address and everything. And I just had told everybody to include an email address because I, I picked, you know, a few random mm-hmm. people to send jerseys to. So, uh, I, I'll, I'll definitely still do that. Okay, great. So, Hey, my last, my last question then is you, you talked about, you know, this a little bit with Steve the other night, you know, um, you're trying, you know, you're, you're on team now with Marvin, you guys had had some issues before you talked about it, everything's cool, but I want to know, you know, just 
like it's very likely you guys could easily be in a points battle with each other, come down to Vegas, you know. And if that's the case, I mean, you, you got to treat him like every other rider, right? I mean, he's he's a teammate, but he's also an opponent. So at that point, yeah, at that point, it's it's all about Cooper Webb and points. <laughs> For sure, you know. And uh, I mean, really, every Saturday, it it kind of does come down to that. You yeah. know, it it is. You know, a team sport, or it's not a team sport, but you have a team, yes. I should say, and, you know, you, you have teammates and this and that. But, yeah, I mean, for for me, like I said, on, on there, it's it's one of those things where, you know, we've had a past and whatever, but it was more, you know, I feel like personally it was, we, we one, like I said, I was young, but we also, I mean, I, I didn't know him at all. Yeah. It was. Saturday was the only time I knew him, and in, in my mind, when I'm on the line, everybody's my threat, everybody's my rival, everybody's my competition, so, you know, I look at everybody the same, and um, we had had this, some battles, and it just so happened that, you know, we we ended up battling a lot, so, um, you know, and now we're in, in different situations, you know, we're, we're teammates, which you know, it's, it's pretty cool to, when you look back and five years ago, I would, I would have never thought we'd be teammates, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it is cool. And, and for me, I think I'm in a, in a whole new spot on, on the KTM team, you know, and different mindset and all that. So for me, I, I'm just looking forward to really learning from them and being around them day in, day out. And, you know, he's, he's, achieved a lot in the 450 class and he's not it's stuff that uh, I haven't been able to achieve yet in this class so for me I want to learn and you know I, I'd love to be battling with him again you know that's yep obviously a goal of mine and um but it's good you know I think uh it's always good to have you know somebody that you you can push and vice versa that we can both push off each other and um you know, and being a little older, I think, uh, helps me out. I can, like I said, mainly just learn from them. And yeah, but like I said, I mean, when it comes down to Saturdays and wanting to win, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, um, you know, ever back down from a fight. That's right. For sure. Well, Cooper, thank you, man, for coming on tonight. Um, glad we got it, got it, got it done. Finally. I've been oh, looking yeah. forward to talking to you and, uh, man, really look forward to seeing you at Anaheim one and, ready to watch you kick some ass yeah i appreciate it guys and i uh, look forward to seeing you guys there all right man sounds good and thanks again bud yeah all right. yeah see ya all right that's cooper webb um we're gonna take another break we're back with todd trujillo real quick to talk about the fly fun day and guys at the end of this i ha- don't forget i have a pre-recorded interview with steve mathis that doesn't sound great but it's got some good content so don't bail We'll be right back.
on the line with me. Man, we've been promoting this event. It's going to be one of the coolest events in Texas this year. You know all about it, the Fly Fun Day. So on the phone is Mr. Todd Trujillo, who is the uh, – he created it. He started it. It's his deal for, with Fly Racing. Todd, how are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. How about you? Doing real good, man. We've uh, This is our show 100. It was a big event for us. Uh, we have had Jeremy McGrath on tonight, Ricky Johnson, Diana Dahlgren, Cooper Webb, Steve Mathis, and, of course, you, Todd Trujillo. Awesome. Yeah finish it up i guess yeah hey man we're <laughs> finishing it with a bang buddy and uh man i'm so excited about this event um we're, we're what a week two weeks out basically yeah, a little less than two weeks or yeah a little less yeah so last time you were on we were just announcing it cycle ranch november 18th um why don't you update our listeners on you got a lot of vendors lined up you've got some really cool prizes a um, couple special guests uh, it sounds like a new a new vendor coming on board. I don't know what all you want to give away tonight, if if everything. But tell us what you what you can. Since we've last announced it, um, we've had uh, several brands come on board. Um, uh, some of the brands that are going to be there. We're going to have, of course, Fly Racing, uh, Scorpion Sports, G Max Helmets, uh, Motion Pro, Torque One Industries, of course, X Brand. We're also, we've recently brought in, uh, this morning actually, uh, Monster Energy is now part of the event as well, too. We're going to have, given away some helmets from Colton Hacker, a helmet from Colton Hacker, some mm-hmm. jerseys from uh, some of the sponsored riders, uh, even some from years past. Cool. Uh, we're going to have some uh, canard, a few canard things, got some from Bagot coming. Uh, we have Scorpion Helmet from Colton Hacker. Yeah, that thing is have... sick, dude. You sent me a picture of it, and I was like, I'm really I jealous. <laughs> it, it's pretty cool. I'm yeah. excited about the helmet for sure. Yeah, you, you mean a lot of cool vendors. Um, a lot of these people, are, these vendors are going to be giving products away. You're going to have like a passport system. Tell us a little bit about that. So we actually we tweaked that a little bit now, okay. actually. So what we're doing now is all the vendors. So we're going to have two different kind of vendors. One is going to be your local dealerships. TJ Cycles, uh, Woodside, Fun Center, Woodside Country, Alamo Cycleplex. And we're still working out a few more, kind of getting those last guys coming in, trying to get on board. But those guys are the big ones we can set up out there selling old products. So we're going to have those guys selling some stuff. We're also going to have the brands who are participating, you know, Motion Pro, Fly Racing, Scorpion, G-Max, and all those guys are all They're going to have, uh, you go to the boost, you talk to them, they're going to have, uh, you come by, listen to them. They're going to give you some free raffle tickets also just for hanging out, listening to them, learning about the products, what's new, what's exciting, what's coming up, that kind of stuff. So that's going to be what we have going on on those things, on those two sides. So the passport, kind of just, we were having some problems with getting the right design. Okay. But instead, um, we're having an exclusive raffle just for those vendors. So we have the dealers, which are going to be your local dealers, and the vendors. Vendors yeah. are going to be uh, from a corporate side of things. But it, it's going to allow people to go go see the products, hear a little bit about the products, and then have an opportunity to win something from those products or some other item, like you said, maybe a signed jersey or, or whatever the, the item may be. If you go in and participate with the vendors that are involved, it puts you in an in a, in a opportunity to win something pretty cool. Right, and, and also learn about the products because yeah. a lot of these companies out there have some really cool, steady art stuff, not just fly racing. Of course, they do have a lot too, 
But other brands that have some really kind of niche items that even after talking to them, there's more I've learned talking to these vendors over the past few weeks slash months that really helped me gain more information about their products. And there's some home runs. Even the guys at Torf One, I mean, Torf One is, is, is kind of killing board uh, right before our last phone call. And those guys, I mean, amazing. Uh, I mean, Johnny, I cannot say enough good thing about that guy. He is an awesome guy. He really yeah. gets it. Yeah, he's the um, he's the title sponsor of our show. So Torque One is the presenting sponsor and, and of the Mudbox. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, X Brand is gonna. I mean, I was still kind of working on details on that side of things. It sounds like they're gonna be heading up that, or maybe Rich too. We're still not positive on that side of things. Um, and then uh, I mean, we're gonna have actually Bob Lowry with Fly Racing. Bob Lowry is the guy in charge. Right, uh, so to speak. There's a lot of heads on that beast, but Bob is like the guy. If you want to know anything about fly racing, he is the guy to do us as reps do what we can from what Bob tells us and teaches us to kind of bring to the masses that this is the source. This is like the guy. We're also going to have he was Scorpion, and Tony is, uh, he's new. Um, Scorpion Sports, is, uh, we picked him up a little, less, a little over a year ago, and Coming on board, they have been, you know, they hit the ground running and doing a fantastic job. Tony's new to Scorpion, but he's not new to the industry whatsoever. Tons of cool stuff there, uh, as well as, I mean, of course, we have Motion Pro. They're going to be giving away a bunch of tools and who knows what else. I mean, we're, also, we're still working on other people. We're going to have the Monster Girls out there. Boat Tools going to be on the set with the Mo Tool Girls. Um, we're also going to have, uh, I mean, A-Stars was not able to make it. We are going to have giveaways from A-Stars and a Cherubis. Those two are not going to be there. Okay. But we'll be able to have some stuff giveaways, at least from them still, too. Um, and then G-Max Helmets. G-Max is uh, a, a, a fantastic company. Kind of more that price point, the guy getting into the sport. It's a great helmet to start off with uh, before you get to your, your fly or whoever is your preference. Hopefully, it's fly. Uh, but that's kind of what we're looking for on that side of things. We kind of have every, um, from beginner, intermediate to pro, as far as the helmet line, will be actually there. And, of course, the right gear to go along with it. That's awesome, man. Like, I can't wait. Um, yeah, you know, you, you, I don't know if you want to give this away. So you had mentioned to me in a text about somebody that's going to be there that's a big name, sponsored by Fly. Is that something that you want to talk about? Yes. Um so uh, about a week ago, I guess, we, we did get a finalization that Damon Bradshaw will be on site. Um, he comes in town uh, before the event. He's helping. He's going to be out there helping out, helping set up, helping answer questions, really helping kind of be an ambassador for the brand as a whole. And uh, we'll, be, we'll have him out there to really kind of, you know, from a professional standpoint, you can ask him questions and that kind of stuff or just from a cool picture. That's cool, too. Yeah, I'm dude. I've never met Damon, and he is just a bad mother effer. So, I, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, you know I've never rode that track, and I'm excited. But I'm most excited about meeting Damon. Yeah. So, and and there's still other people we're working with and working and talking to and that kind of stuff. This is this has been a, a, this is a part time thing going on with this event, which yeah. you know kind of ties into my everyday job. But it's been nonstop on phone calls and that kind of <laughs> stuff. It's done. It's done really well, and it's it's blown up the past few days above everything else. We've gotten a lot more people involved and people talking and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, 
Well, I'm looking yeah. forward to it, man. I mean, it's it's coming quick, and I'm making plans, and anybody that's listening to the show needs to make plans. If you're anywhere even remotely close to Floresville, San Antonio area, or, or just willing to make the drive, you need to come out. Let's blow this thing up. So we've, 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 we've passed out roughly on 5,000 tickets. Within those 5,000 tickets, I walk around the dealers weekly. And just the dealers that I visit in the Austin and uh, Austin, we'll say College Station, everywhere in between those two areas, yeah, um, up to Georgetown, those dealers, we've, we've give, they've already given away over 700 to 800 tickets. Nice. That's just in those areas. That's not including San Antonio, Dallas, or Houston. And uh, go to the Fly page. It's um, at Fly day mx and that's on facebook yep you can actually kind of see which dealers have it there's some of the reps uh the guys down in houston uh craig himself have, have actually done videos with these guys walking into the dealerships with the tickets to kind of let you know who all has them out there if it's oh, a big cool. dealership in texas they have them right now awesome man todd this is going to be a rad event dude i think this thing is you know like you said you know you you want to get bigger every year and i just got a feeling this is going to be a breakthrough year that we, that I, I do too. I mean, and the good thing is, the bigger this thing gets, the bigger I can make it the next year. And it, <laughs> yeah, and I love it. I mean, I'm, I, I like to plan ahead. We've got a lot of big plans moving forward. We get to this year, though, hit a home run, get a great, get people out there, tons of people out there having a good time, and and who knows what can happen next year. Definitely. Hey, man, I uh, I appreciate you coming on and updating us on this thing. I'll be there for sure, um, and it's we're going to have a good time. No, I think so too. I know so. We're going to have a great time. Hoping weather held, held out just enough, but I think we're looking at it and watching it carefully. Um, you know, and hopefully we can get this thing uh, rocking and rolling. Definitely. Well, I'll, I'll see you in a little less than two weeks, man, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Thank you much. All right, Todd. Thanks, buddy. Right, bye. All right, man. See you. Okay, guys. So, yeah, check that out. Um, Facebook fly fun day, I think is the way that I looked it up. You know, that this page, you can go check out all the information. Um, if you have any questions, I'm sure you could ask them on there or just go to the motoxpodshow.com, hit the contacts. Um, I'll get that. You can send us an email and I'll get it over to Todd. And if you have a question, I'll try to get it answered. Um, so this, I'm pretty much going to wrap this thing up. Uh, close this out and then I'll add the Steve Mathis interview on at the end. So continue to listen. Don't forget about the trivia question. If you guys want to win the set of fly kinetic gear and all the other contests we've got coming up, check out our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, share our posts and we'll, we'll be doing a lot of cool giveaways very soon. Thanks for listening. Appreciate Phil coming in. He had to take off, get home to his family. Um, and we'll, we'll be back real soon. I don't know if we'll be back next week or the following week for sure. I don't, I don't know. Just, uh, stay tuned and we'll let you know. Thanks guys. See you later. The line with us is a man that needs no introduction. He's the king of the uh, moto podcast. Mr. Steve Mathis. How you doing, Steve? What's happening, man? How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Just got off work and uh, glad to talk to you for a few minutes. Um, I kind of wanted to touch on a part of your job that maybe you know you don't talk about a whole lot, and that's the actual journalism side of it, where you know you sit down, you do research, you write an article. Um, you know, so I was kind of curious. When did you write your first article? Um, yeah, good question. I think I started. Well, I started for the. Um, 
2005, somewhere around that. But the writing bug has always been in me. When I was a kid, I was in journalism in, uh, in high school and writing stories for that. And I remember I used to like type 12 years old or whatever. Yeah. And and then also at some point, when I was Kelly Sith and Nick Wade's mechanic, I would, they each had websites and I would write blogs on there. Um, I guess they weren't called blogs then, they were called whatever, but, so I've always been a writer, and I read a lot of books as well, um, so it's always, it's always been there, whether it was race updates for KTM and Kelly Smith or Nick Way, or typing up superhero stories when I was a kid, <laughs> yeah. I've consistently always written stories or written something, you know? That's cool, yeah, I, I tried to do that as a kid too, but I kind of lost interest in it, I do read a lot, but... Man, taking the time, I mean, you have so many different things that you do with your the, the multiple shows and, and writing for Racer X and Pulp MX and Direct Motocross and probably numerous others over overseas. How do you find so much time or how do you make a time schedule up to, to get all this done in a day? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good question, man. For sure, with more and more time and more people kind of preferring that over sitting down and reading it does take the time for sure and uh and the writing of a story the crafting of a feature that goes into a stretch magazine or an on-track off-road or an advisor or whatever does take the most amount of time with anything i do so you're right it's uh it's a time crunch but yeah man you just you just sit down and i'll rarely write a whole feature you know generally features 2,000 words or so I will rarely write a feature all in one sitting. I'll tackle it a couple of times before I'm done. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just, you know, two hours here and two hours there and two hours here and back again. And before you know it, you got something that's, you know, ready to go. Right. Hey, we got a little bit of a bad connection. I don't know if it's just the distance being over or in Canada or, or what, but I don't. Oh. No, that's just good now. It's just. You know how this goes. It, it phones are in and out sometimes, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not, you sound great on my end. So. Okay. Um, so when you write, when you decide to on a topic, like let's say the the eleven ten mods article, or you know, you have yeah. something in your mind. How do you go about deciding? Okay, first of all, I got to I got to get the contacts. I got to contact these guys. Some people may not want to talk about it, which you had that happen, obviously. Um, and then you have to. You know, Write an outline, I'm sure. Like, how do you go about that? What's your process? And you write, you know, physically write a little bit of an outline and some ideas, or, or do you, is it, does it depend on the topic? Yeah, it depends on the topic. You know, you sit there and you think about what would make an interesting story. Um, you know, those oral history stories, the long form stories, they all, to me, were interesting. The, the 1110 mods thing, we all knew what a clown show it was kind of behind the scenes but these riders kept getting good results and the equipment worked well when it did work the equipment uh, worked well and so that was just an interesting story because Billy uh, Billy uh, oh I forget Billy Aaron Pleasant mechanic right now um, damn it the name is chasing uh, anyway Billy went to Star Yamaha Nate was working for Factory KTM uh, basically uh, with the PCO team and uh, Phil and Alex had graduated the fact of your eyes. So I knew what those, that team was back in the day. Hey, and I'm like, wow, look at all of these guys. They all persevered. 
and went through some shitty times, and they managed to come through the other side with factory gigs. So that was interesting to me. Yeah. And then the McGrath story was interesting because he almost swept the whole thing. Um, you know, they're all, and so on and so forth. The Pro Circuit story, the 93 title story for Jimmy Gaddis was interesting because Mitch had told me one time, like, if that didn't work, he wasn't having a race team anymore. You know, that was a really pivotal moment in pro circuit racing history. Definitely. Um, so all these things kind of stick with me a little bit. But you're right, like, the uh, eleven ten story, I just could not get a hold of Santa. He would not reply to me about speaking to me for this article. So I went ahead with it anyways because I was mostly done with it. And I said, well, screw it. Like, you know, he's not going to be in the story. What can you do? But I have had stories that I've had to not do because people won't talk to you. And if and if certain people won't talk to you, well, you don't have anything. You just yeah. have, you know, you have nothing. So it, it does depend on people wanting to open up and talk to you. Yeah, I and mean, you, luckily for you, you know, you've been in the industry for so long. You have enough connections and enough friends, and that you can do all this stuff. And you, you, you have such an amazing memory. It blows my mind. Like I, I have a hard time sometimes remembering who won the race last weekend, let alone ten years <laughs> ago. You know, so yeah, you were definitely built to do what you do, and it's. It's very impressive. So when writing writing articles, where does that fall amongst what you enjoy the most as far as the podcasts and going to the races and just being there and doing, you know, an yeah. interview at the end of the um, day or whatever? Yeah, it's that's a good question. Uh, for me, it depends on the story. Like those long-form stories that we talked about, the grass, mm-hmm. no surface, 11-10, 2001-135, Championship battle. Um, I think that was it. Maybe there's a few more I did, but but those were those stories were twenty thousand words, fifteen thousand words, and a ton of editing. Oh, motorcycle X stories, you know, history of motorcycle X. And then no one asked me to do those. No one's. I didn't get paid any extra for them. Oh, wow. No one asked me to do them or anything. I just wanted to tell the story you know i just thought it would be cool i wanted this out there this, this, i wanted the public to read about these things so i did them and you know they were a ton of work but i had fun doing them because i'm into it so those types of stories are great um and i don't mind doing them and oftentimes i work on a friday night when i get to a, a supercross or a national mm-hmm. and i'm just sitting in a hotel room that that'll be a prime time to work um or you know on a sunday afternoon or something so it depends on what I'm doing. Like some of the, and sometimes maybe we have editorial meetings and Davey Coombs at Racer X just says, Hey, Mathis, write about, um, this. And, and honestly, I, I do it because it's my job and I put all I, I have into it. But those ones where I don't have a interest in them, I guess are the ones that are a little difficult to write because sure. you're not fully invested in them. But if you're into the story, like any of those long forms are, and I got one coming out. Um, hopefully early next year that I'm really excited for that I've been working on. Um, those are interesting and I'll put hours and hours and hours into those things and I don't even care. It's right. fine. Like it's great. It, it, they're just, they're really cool. But other ones I'll just be like, Oh God, I got to start this story. <laughs> well, so of all the things you've wrote, what is, what's like, what are you most proud of? Is there one in particular or is it kind of hard oh, to say? No, yeah, I couldn't even tell you you know, I, I I grew up reading Cycle News, as did you probably. Yep. And when, when it was still a paper, uh, Kit Palmer at Cycle News asked me to write the back page of Cycle News, which is 
uh, Davey Coombs wrote there and Henny Ray Adams wrote there. And, and you know, basically it would be like a, a very a VIP of moto journalism that, who would write an editorial for the back page of Cycle News every week. So I got to do that a couple of times. Now, I, one time I wrote about Hanny and how he was blowing this shot of JGR, and uh, he that caused him to not like me for many, many years. Right. Another, another time I wrote about uh, Tuny Supercross School, I think. But basically, for me, um, to get on the back page of Cycle News was pretty cool. I don't even know what I wrote about that was cool, but... <laughs> I just, I just thought, look at me, like I'm right on the back page of Cycle News, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, where all these greats have been. There's not really any one story that's just, I mean, all those long forms from the Pro Circuit to the McGrath to the Moto Triple X to 2001 series, they were all really fun to do, and I really enjoyed them. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think everybody read them all because they're so, they're so damn long. But you know, I think if you enjoyed it. You really, really like those ones. Right. You got it right into it, and you and you read them all, you know. So, um, but no, I can't think of one particular story that 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 really like you know yeah, just some of the long form ones are great. Right. Well, how on the opposite end of the spectrum, you you wrote stuff where people were a little upset, like the eleven ten mods. You know, do you have any regrets with anything you've ever wrote? Um. Yeah. You know what? Early on, I was not. I guess I'm getting lost in my old man first time, but um, yeah, like early on, I wrote some things that I probably shouldn't have. I didn't have all the information mm-hmm. that I needed to, to make a judgment on somebody. And one of them was Wyndham. Um, I wrote something, Wyndham, one weekend, just, just work like he was, you know, mailing it in or whatever. And, and I really didn't do my homework, and I didn't didn't talk to anybody. And I wrote about how Wyndham, you know, basically, you know, mailed this one in or whatever. And and I found, come to find out that he was sick and almost didn't race, but but showed up anyways. And that's a case where I'm like, oh man, like I need uh, one phone call. I could have cut that information and wrote that. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, there, there's been some times where I've shot off my mouth, uh, shot off my mouth, shot my mouth yep. off, shot my shot shot my mouth off, um, and, and not known the whole story. And you live live and learn from those things, and and you go on. And certainly now I'm a little bit more cognizant of someone's feelings but uh having said that if, if i believe in something as you know and i'll say it and i'll write it yeah and again i've told you this before i think that that's probably one of the most impressive things about what you do as far as you you are like a national sports journalist where you say what the, the facts are at least in your opinion what the facts are what you're seeing and you don't care necessarily whether somebody's going to be upset about it and usually the guys come back around they realize okay steve was was right. I was just butthurt about it, you know, and, and yeah. that's hard to do. You know, I mean, I, I've sort of been, whatever, you, if you want to call me media for about two years now, and it's hard for me to, I don't know these guys well enough where I'm sometimes afraid to say something negative, to be honest, you know, so I, I, I'm, I'm impressed with you being able to do that and just not giving a shit really. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we need more of it in, in, in the, and you know the the thing with me is, is I telling somebody off uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, you know what? I'm in the pits every weekend. You can just come find me if you don't like it or whatever. <laughs> right. uh, you know, I've been I've, this is my 22nd year of being in the pits, and like, yeah, I'll be there. Don't worry. Right. Um, right. You know, so I think that's part of it. Is you, you want to show your face and you want to walk around and you want to be accountable for what you say, but at the same time have a valid reason to to say to explain why you wrote something. And, and that's all someone can ask for. And if, 
if someone's going to get so butthurt over that that they're not going to talk to you or they hate you or whatever, then you know what? It shows more on their character than it does on mine. Yeah, you know, I remember the first race I went to as media was Lakewood 17, and I talked to Justin Hill, and we, you know, and I brought up, hey, we do a podcast, it's very small, and I said, nothing like what Pulp does, his, you know, is so big, and he, you know, you know how the Hills kind of have their opinion of Steve Mathis, and he said something about, you know, he kind of made a snide remark, I don't remember exactly what it was, and I was like, look, man, you know, I, I defended you, I said, Steve says what he believes, and, you know, he's not trying to be an asshole, I don't think, you know, and he's like, well, he, he mentioned the comments you made about the monster deal, you know, and I thought, yeah. You gotta. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't. They just take it a little too serious. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No. What are you gonna do, right? I, a lot of the stuff when it comes to Justin Hill, I was saying right there mid sentence. Yeah. Boss. You know, and, and so I felt pretty confident in thinking it and talking about it, and, right. and and this and that, you know, and then yeah, you know, a guy like Justin, I mean, he's certainly super talented, and I get along with him well. But I mean, eventually, at some point, he's got to ask himself why he keeps switching teams, and sure. he seems to find a home with JGR, but. There's a reason why. The TLD guys weren't fans of him, and Mitch didn't like him at different points, you know, and, and, and it, hey, whatever. Like, it's fine. It's it's all good. Uh, the kid's found some success now, and, and he seems to be doing okay with the JGR guys, but, you know, time will tell, right? Right, right. Well, I got a couple more questions for you, and I'll let you go. Um, so, you you and I guess probably DMXS were probably two of the original motocross podcast been around a long time a lot of them are popping up now including ours um you got pink's about to do one it sounds like what do you think about these other podcasts do you do you think of them really at all do you consider it like okay this is competition does it depend on how they respect you you know how, how do you what are your thoughts yeah you know what i'm fine with it i mean whatever how can i get fun over your podcast popping up like, yeah i started i've been i've been doing mine for 10 years now Started in 08, or guys, I think started in 05 or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've been around longer. And certainly, uh, when I started out, I wanted to do something different than DMXS. I didn't want to be a DMXS show, and that's why we take callers and we have the sentence, things like that, that those guys don't have. So, I want to do something a little different. Um, and it's worked out really well. So, honestly, I can't be butthurt over it. Uh, more power to those guys if they want to start one. It, it's the thing that would piss me off, and it's it's kind of, like I got a lot of tweets that t- tell me that our show is better than DMXS and we blow DMXS out of the water and blah, blah, blah. And that's fine when everyone's entitled to their opinion. I never retweet those. Right. You know, like, I'll never, I'll never say like, yeah, I agree or anything. Like, I, I'm not down with that. Like, you can have your opinion and I believe we have a better show, but, but I'm not also, because I am competitive, but I'm not going to be the one to trash those guys or retweet that stuff and, and I would, hope, I would hope none of the other shows do that either. I, I think Daniel Blair did it a couple times. I pulled him out on it. And he's never done it since. I'm like, look, we're all in this together. If someone likes your show better than mine, no problem. Just, you know, you don't need to tweet it out like, you know, like you're taking shots at, at Pulp and Master or whatever. So that's all that I care about is what you, what you just said in your question, which is just show some respect to, to your competitors and, and maybe that's podcast win or whatever, you know what I mean, or however you want to say it. But, yeah, for me, like, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're doing great. Our sponsors are stoked, and, you know, I'm having to turn people down at some point, you know, for different spots. And, and, and I think I have, I would feel confident that we have the most listeners out of anybody. Oh, you yeah. Know? Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll match it up against anybody. So at the same time, as long as, you know, they don't come out and start saying that, you know, 
they're better than Pulp and this and that, and I'm I'm cool with it. Right, right, yeah. Like our show, man, we we give you credit pretty much every week. So I mean, I think the reason we you, <laughs> well, know, I mean, you don't need to do that, but you know, just be confident in what you're doing, but don't you know, don't bring yourself up. And I don't mean you to the reason to show. Don't pump your your own show up at the expense of others. You know what I mean? Right, right. To do that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so um, the X, the X brand thing. You've been friends with Rich a long time. How did you yeah. get started? Like, how did you become the goggle guy? You know, what brought that on? Was that just to make a little extra money at the races, or you know? Yeah, what? that's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm a freelance criminal, so I just get X amount from racer X, and I get X amount from the different the overseas guys and things like that. And basically, all those people rely on me to be at the races. Mm-hmm. Um, now I could probably skip a few races. Um, the race directs wouldn't care too much, but the reason they're telling me what they do is because they expect me to go to the races. So, um, you know, and the hotel, just life and everything else. So I was looking at a way to help help myself out. Rich, uh, you know, Rich and I go way back um, a long time ago, and he's an honor guy. And so, yeah, it was awesome. I, it really helped me out for a number of years. Um, it got to be too much work, too, um, too much work, too many guys. And then yeah. we had the whole Brock Pickle thing at Washougal that, like I literally couldn't sleep that night because, you know, he was pissed at the goggles in, in the total mud, you know, where everybody's goggles failed. Right, and right. He was, he, and, he, and he was blaming X-Brand. And, like, I literally couldn't sleep that night. And I'm like, I got I to gotta stop this. Like, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my mind, you know, because I was so pissed off and I was working so hard with these guys. Um, and it was taking a little, little bit away from the media thing. So I, I just had to stop, and I think Rich understood it. Um, but no, absolutely, Rich. Rich said is a great guy. X Brand's a great company. Yeah, goggles work really well, as you know. You know, you you pitch them too, and 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 do a lot of work for Rich. So, um, yeah, I was happy to do it. It helped me get to the races for a number of years, and uh, never say anything bad about, about Rich or the company. For me, it really helped me out. Absolutely, I, I came home today to a big old box of stuff from X Brand that for this we had a. Fly has a big event down in uh, Cycle Ranch in a couple of weeks that I'm going oh, out yeah. to and going to help out with some X brand stuff. And what do you if think? You don't, if you don't wear them, you're not going to win. Absolutely. Uh, yep. That's, I, I, that's why Kiefer didn't win this weekend. This weekend. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Yep. yep. So hey, what do you think Rich could do to get to that next level? Is it is it really just a matter of dollars? Because brands like 100% seem to have this bottomless pit of money to pay guys. Is that what it really would take to move up to the next level? Yeah, it's a good question, right? It's a real chicken or egg question. The sales come from the support of the season riders, or the season riders, you know, come to you because you know you have the money, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, these teams don't give a shit about the product as long as you write them a check. They can put a strap on anything, you know what I mean? I think we saw that with the Dragon guys over the over a number of years, right? Right, right. So, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I feel like some of the goggle prices, more than anything else, more than gear, more than helmets, the goggle prices I hear for riders are just insane for the max, for the amount of what the rider actually sells. I mean, obviously, you know, the gear companies don't get back what they put in, but hey, you're getting pretty good branding. You're getting pretty good uh, visibility, and you're getting a lot of uh, views. A goggle strap, though, I mean, come on. How many people are really looking at that or even notice that? And these guys are getting big, big dollars for that. And, I mean, what's what's the next brand retail for, Dark Side? 60 bucks? Uh, 60 bucks? The, the EKSs, the top of the line, are $69. Yeah. 
$69, and that's probably 35% markup, um, you know, from a dealer side of things, and then maybe Rich makes another 35 on that, or mm-hmm. on that. The dollars aren't there. The profit margin isn't there to give guys 30, 40, 50, to give teams 60, 70, $80,000 plus the product you're giving them. Right. It's so, uh, yeah, Rich is in a tough spot because, uh, you know, yeah, he could maybe increase sales by getting a huge, huge name and, and, and a huge team. But on the other hand, is it going to really increase enough to make it worthwhile? Like, I go to the track and, and I was just at Glen Helen a couple weeks ago riding and I couldn't believe the amount of X brands. Cause I still pay attention to that stuff. You oh, know? yeah. I couldn't believe the amount of X-Brands I saw in SoCal. Like, it seems like Rich is doing really well in pockets of, of USA. Definitely. And so maybe maybe it's just better to be that small guy that, you know, does well but doesn't, you know, doesn't absolutely kill it um, than, as opposed to going big and then busting yourself. You know? Yeah, you're probably right, you know, and that's, that's really why I reached out to him. I was wearing them originally just because my buddy was an MTA dealer and they were sold in MTA and, Mm-hmm. And the first time I had a little issue, I had a rock hit my lens and break the tear-off tab. So I called the following Monday, and freaking Rich Taylor answered the phone, which blew me away to begin with. And with the customer service was so good, I was all in. Same reason I'm with it flies. You know, if a co- company takes care of me, I'm, I want to support them. But I wasn't seeing anybody in Texas wearing X-Brand, hardly at all. So I called him, and I said, hey, what can I do to become a dealer? What can I do to help out? And, you know, basically I bought... 20 pair of goggles from him at a, at a reduced price. I sold them all the first weekend, did it again the following weekend, and then he just set me up with a deal where he just sends me the stuff and I pay him once I sell yeah. it. And man, people are in, there's a lot. I, I'm selling a lot of, I don't know how much product, I don't necessarily have a number, but I'm selling a lot of product weekly at local tracks. Just, they're well, getting, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's, and I think that's, you know, he's on the road a lot with the van and he's yep. doing a lot of stuff out of the van and, and vending at the tracks, and I think yeah, he's doing well with it, you know? So, um, yeah, it's all just, I don't know. I, I mean, man, I, you get you get a guy that's fifth to tenth place, and you're writing him a check for $40,000, <laughs> and he's fifth to tenth, and, and he's never on the podium, and the goggles aren't on his neck. Yeah. How many people can really tell you what kind of brand of goggles somebody like that place that's wearing? I, I don't know. It's, uh, to me, like I said at the beginning, goggle prices for riders are uh, some of the most nutty ones I hear. Right. Well, that, that leads me to my last question for you. I got an email from a guy. Um, I'm just going to read it to you. It says, I just started my own gear company. Good luck with that. <laughs> it's going to be tough. A few months ago, and I know it would take me a while to ever be able to do this, but how much money does an average factory rider make from a gear contract alone, and how much would a rider capable of making half of the main events make? Any ideas? Oh, yeah. An average factory rider, I would say 200 um, and a guy, you can get a guy for 50k or half the Okay. So what about? But like, I would think like John Short's a buddy of mine. And do you does a guy like John Short get a get you know get paid from flyers? He just get really no. Paid? He would just get gear. Okay. Yeah, and he's, he's making main events fairly regularly. Uh, I, was, I was thinking more 450. Okay. Okay. I got you. Well. That will answer the question for him and uh, Steve. I mean, I'll let you get back to Pookie and go do some hockey. To, are you going to, tonight or tomorrow night? Tomorrow night, big game. Awesome, big game here in Toronto. Well, I'll be uh, I'll be recording our hundredth show, so I probably won't get to watch it. But 
Maybe I'll watch right. it when I get home. But uh, man, one hundred one hundred shows. Yeah, in two years, man, we um we don't miss very many weekends because we we figure when guys like you and Daniel don't do a show, we need to do a show. Yeah, well maybe maybe we can, maybe I'll just give you my show. <laughs> I just need if I could get a few of your listeners to come over, that would help out, man. <laughs> There you go. We're uh, we're trying, but again, as I always tell you, I do appreciate you uh, taking my calls on your show and always being willing to come on our show and giving us a little bit of promotion on yours. And it's a uh, it's a big deal to us, so it means a lot. No worries, but congrats on the 100. Hey, thank you. Uh, you guys have a good night. Tell Pookie I said hi, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, that's right. Okay, see ya. See ya.